on the computer outlet, sir. Get full access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. We're back. Rebel Force Radio returning this week with a very special show, a surprise show. You didn't think it was coming this fast. A lot of you have been asking for it. And the timing was just right. Stars have aligned. That's right. We are going to do our first, our first take, our first commentary of The Last Jedi. While it's still in the theater, so you can actually take this with you when you sit in one of those new fancy movie theaters with the reclining chair and the footstool and all that and the cup holders built in, all that. You're going to be able to take us right with you here, this program, and uh, watch The Last Jedi with us. And I say it's the first because I don't think it'll be the last. I don't think it'll be the last, but... uh, I can't do it alone, of course not. You don't want to just hear me talking about The Last Jedi. You want to also hear my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Happy New Year. I hope everyone had fun blowing up the Death Star at midnight on New Year's Eve. We certainly did. Oh, you didn't a- just blow up the Death Star. You blew up social media, let me tell you. Thank you, With Jason. Your Death Star post. You know, uh, it, it was a, an impromptu moment. Uh, it was happening on, on New Year's Eve as we approached midnight. I was hanging out with a bunch of teenagers in the house, courtesy of my friends, uh, my son's friends, and um, everyone pulled out their cell phones and hit record for Instagram or wherever the kids are posting things these days. And I was standing next to my son. And I, I had a feeling that we were going to hit it right on the second. You know, we we're going to blow up the Death Star right at the stroke of midnight. And uh, it happened. I uh, stuck uh, the my cell phone into the shot of my son as he was shooting the TV so you could see the uh, World Clock app on my phone. And it counted down right to the second, right at midnight. The Death Star exploded. And like Jason said, so did social media. We posted it up shortly after. The video is currently over 3.1 million views on Facebook. It's also blown up the iFunny comedy uh, meme app and Reddit. It went really big on Reddit. Somebody posted it there, and uh, it was uh, 
upvoted so many times that it was the top Reddit post of the day when it was uh, actually posted up there. So I, I don't know who actually posted it. It wasn't us on Reddit, but it was someone. And uh, we appreciate it. Uh, somebody said, aren't you mad you didn't get credit for the Reddit thing? Well, I mean... <laughs> Credit means nothing. Cash means something. But we didn't get either for Reddit, Facebook, or nothing. It doesn't matter to me. All that matters to me is sharing the tradition and hopefully getting more people on board so that, you know, this year on New Year's Eve, everyone is watching the Death Star. I want it to be as common as eating turkey in America on Thanksgiving Day. I want everyone just to... Blow up the Death Star at midnight. Star Wars fans, Star Trek fans, people who've never heard of either. I move want everyone over, doing move it. over, Ryan Seacrest. Thank yes, for Luke Skywalker. Yes, blowing up. And honestly, I tell you what, I, I know I'm getting older, but every time I turn on that, uh, now it's called ABC's New Year's ABC. No, wait a minute, Dick Clark's. New Year's Rockin' Eve on ABC with Ryan Seacrest. It's the longest <laughs> name of uh, anything you'd ever want to know. No, no, no. Actually, the thing that I watch on New Year's Eve has, I think, an even longer name. It's Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And that's what everyone should be watching on New Year's Eve. So thank that's you, everyone, true. who shared the video, who watched the video, who commented on the video, who upvoted for it. And uh, just spread the word and, and get your friends on board. And everyone do it this upcoming New Year's. Well, I've got to confess, I did it for the first time this year. For the very first time I did it, um, my my son went to bed. My wife wasn't feeling good. She went to bed. But my, my daughter, Bailey, she, I, she's nine, and I told her that this could be her year you know, to, to start staying up till midnight. And I told her what we were going to do, and she got excited. And it was the be- we we had the best time watching Star Wars. She's seen this, you know, episode four a lot of times. But this one, I, this viewing, I don't know. I think it had to do with the fact that everybody else was in bed. This was something special that we were doing together. She was asking so many questions, and <laughs> and she had you know she had just seen uh, Last Jedi, so um, you know she was all in the Star Wars mood, and uh, it, we just had a ball. We just had a ball. And in fact, I gotta say, I do make a very very brief cameo in that video because as jimmy was saying (laughs) and actually it was brother billy mac that pointed this out because jimmy was saying you can see his cell phone in the shot of that video and right after midnight you see a text show up and that's me and uh and bailey wishing uh jimmy happy new year (laughs) that is true the central time that was perfect. That was perfect. Yeah, you. If you freeze frame it just right, you'll see that little instant message popping up on the top of my phone. Jason Swank, Happy New Year, yeah. or Happy yeah. Chicago New Year, whatever you wrote, because you're an hour ahead of me. Yeah, so. right, right, right. It already been you know 2018 for a, for a full hour, but well, we had a blast. And then you know afterwards, I was just I put I put Bailey to bed, and I was I was just in such a Star Warsy mood. I'm I'm putting Empire in now. You know. I just, <laughs> I had to see it because uh, the movie we're about to watch all together, I, I, I feel just, uh, you know, as any great Star Wars movie in the saga does, it changes the way you watch and perceive uh, all the other films. And uh, Last Jedi is no exception for me. And it was really, really uh, profound uh, going back and then watching the originals after seeing the fate of Luke Skywalker and uh, all of that. Uh, last time we were all together, we had the great Tom Spina on from Regal Robot. We were getting his take on The Last Jedi. And Tom made us a very generous offer. 
he's donating one of those great Mandalorian skulls, Jim, and uh, we, we've got we've got one to give away. Yeah, it's really incredible. The Regal Robot Mandalorian Skull Mini Sculpture. Amazing, realistic interpretation of that mysterious skull marking that you can see on the armor of uh, Boba Fett himself. These mini skulls are an eye-catching piece of artwork, and it's going to make your collection even more awesome. Uh, We uh, suggested to win one of these great mini sculptures. You must follow Regal Robot in RFR on Twitter, and you also must tweet... At Rebel Force Radio, I want the at Regal Robot Mando Skull in my hashtag Star Wars Collection. And you guys heard us. The uh, response was uh, enormous. It was one of our most popular giveaways ever. And uh, from random, we chose a tweet from Josh L. at Garazeb. You can tell he's a uh, big Rebels fan with at Garazeb. He tweeted what he had to tweet, and we picked it at random. And Josh L., you are going to be getting a Regal Robot Mando skull that you can add to your hashtag Star Wars collection. And uh, we're happy to give it to you uh, uh, to kick off the new year and uh, say thank you to you for listening to Rebel Force Radio. Uh, That's why we do giveaways on the show is because we want to give back to you, the RFR listening community. And Josh L. will be reaching out to you to get your shipping info so we can get that Regal Robot Mando skull to you ASAP. Thank you, everyone, who entered into our... uh, our little giveaway there over the holiday season. And uh, for more info on the Regal Robot Mandalorian Skull Mini Sculpture and all the amazing things that Tom Spino's crew has going on at Regal Robot, just visit regalrobot.com. And uh, if you buy anything from them, be sure to tell them Rebel Force Radio sent you because then you'll get extra special uh, good care. They take care of everyone, but they'll probably give you a little bonus love for being a Rebel Force Radio listener. At least we hope they will. So uh, that's RegalRobot.com. Thank you so much, Tom Spina and the crew over there. Thank you, Boba Fett and all the Mandalorians who made this possible. And thank you for everyone who entered into our contest and spread the good word about Rebel Force Radio and Regal Robot on the lovely Twitter platform. All right, so we should get into it. So if you're uh, in the movie theater right now, what we need you to do is, at the moment we say pause, we want you to pause this podcast, and then as soon as the last preview plays, and you just start to see that Lucasfilm logo, that new one that just sort of uh, appears, you know, it's kind of watery looking, uh, uh I miss you remember the old days, Jim, with the just the plain the block letters, bright green block letters. <laughs> right. yeah. Lucasfilm LTD. Yes, exactly. George is like, that ah, looks good. <laughs> All right. So as I was saying, what we want you to do is when we say pause, hit pause. You, as soon as you see that Lucasfilm logo start to appear, we want you to unpause. So, right. And this will work for home video releases, digital, DVD, Blu-ray, what have you. As soon as you see that Lucasfilm logo, you just uh, hit play again after we say, um, after we tell you to pause. Uh, You'll hear us. We'll still be here. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. But uh, that's all you have to do. And uh, also, you know what? Typically, our commentary tracks stand on their own pretty well, too. So if you're not near a screen, uh, you can just go ahead and listen to this one. Because I think if you've seen The Last Jedi and studied it the way we have, you'll follow along with this conversation pretty well. 
All right, so this is going to be my fourth viewing. All right, I want to be very clear about that. Seen it three times in the theater. First time here in the home studio. Jim, this is your what, fifth time? This is my fifth time, yeah. Fifth time, all right. Our second time together. Oh. So here we go, yeah. Are you queued up? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. All right, you're queued up. Okay. I'm going to say one, two, three, pause, all right? And then as soon as you see the Lucasfilm logo, just begin to appear, unpause, okay? So one, two, three, pause. All right. You should start seeing the Lucasfilm logo appearing mysteriously through the mist. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. And the classic music kicks in. Yes. As the uh, title card fades to oblivion. When I was a kid, I used to just... I felt like that fade out just happened it lasted forever mm. and then i would try to watch the letters up at the top as they s- scrolled into i did oblivion. too like what's, what's the last po- you know place that i right. can actually see yeah. you know the last or the first words and uh yeah this i mean this was just um and it all and it, and it remains just such a uh such a fun moment in the theater when this crawl there's nothing like this Outside of Star Wars, this crawl, you just, you know, and it's so special the first time you see the crawl and read it for the first time, you know, a new crawl. And and you start to get so familiar with them, you can practically recite them in your sleep. Yeah, right. That first one. And uh, it's also a very specific type of of writing, you know, very short uh, clipped sentences generally Mm -hmm. and uh, to get you right in the. Right in the midst of the story. It was funny. There was some copy floating around, like almost immediately after The Last Jedi hit the theaters. And people are saying, we have a preview of The Crawl for Episode 9. And they were sending it to us. And they went, what do you think? What do you think? And I, I looked at it. I'm like, I think it's too long. <laughs> it read on and <laughs> yeah, on and yeah. on. And everything. So, of course, in a classic fade out. And, and you hear that, that John Williams, that little, uh, that little riff, that little flute. Returning from a new hope. And I love the 3D perspective as we go down. We see the transports flying at us. And then uh, kicking off, uh, there's Billy Lord's character, Connix. And uh, she apparently is spearheading the evacuation of the base. This is so cool. Oh, my God. The dread of Star Destroyers appearing in the upper atmosphere. In the, the upper planet. atmosphere, something that uh, is relatively new. It's a relatively new visual for, uh, for yeah. Star Wars in this this generation, but very cool. Right away, I notice a big difference with Hux. Uh, just as as far as his just his overall appearance, he appears to have aged more than any character between the time of the force awakens and this film most people there the most actors their appearance is very consistent with how they look he's almost vampiric yeah yeah looking you know he's very as poe will say here in just a moment very pasty yeah yeah and he's got the dark circles under the eyes and there's just just definitely more of a tarkin edge to his character yeah the last jedi that i sunken eyes and uh he he seemed almost kind of too cute to be an imperial in uh, the Force Awakens. Yeah, 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 a little, a little. Youth. He was like Hitler Youth, you know. And uh, you know this this 
appearance by Poe, you know, where all of a sudden you see BB and you know BB's chirps and you, you realize it's Poe. It's just like right out of you know the classic trilogy, but except it's it's Poe. You know, it's not Luke. It's not R two. And also uh, out of different. the prequel trilogy, when I think of the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, when you get taken right. into Anakin's ship and he's there and he's flying and R two is riding shotgun with him, it's just like yes. This is where we should be at the beginning of the film. Perfect. Right. And there's no. a, he, he's eating the scenery as he does, and now yes. he's getting the, uh, what some people online have referred to Poe Dameron's Jerky Boys moment, <laughs> where he's prank calling Hux, or as he calls him, Hugs. Yeah. It took me a couple viewings to realize that he was calling him, him Hugs. And uh, I, I, I like the reactions of the, of the other First order officers back there. Yes, you can tell nobody likes this guy. You know, we've all worked for a General Hux at one time in our, in our lives, yeah. or yeah. we've had General Hux as a teacher or something. Mm-hmm. You know, classic oh, middle no management friends. suck up. <laughs> you know, kisses the boss's ass, but really craps on everyone working beneath him. Right, and this <laughs> is a, this is a really ballsy move here by by Poe, and um, I love that they're able to give BB. Some, you know, R2-esque, but very specific to BB type business, you know, as he's the, you know, the, uh, the astromech in the, in the back of the X-Wing. Well, he actually, he actually gets to physically do something, which is really something we've never seen R2 do. You know, at the very least, R2 would reach out with some sort of, uh, little arm coming out of a, a portal on his uh, dome and he'd like be doing some work. It was nondescript, but with BB eight, he sinks himself into the ship as we'll see and really gets to work on the, the innards of the X wing. And yeah. uh, so it, it just gives him more to do than R two did. Um, Ooh, I, I, gosh, I, love this this. Guy. I forget the, the, the name of this officer, but uh, oh, yes. he's like, we should have done it five bloody minutes ago. You know, yeah, I have a uh, visual guides. I have, crossover book i have art of book so uh i'll try to fill in the blanks here is uh we're, we're getting to know this film more and more you know the, we call it the first commentary because it's really our first that's captain kennedy he's kennedy commander, or yeah. kennedy 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 okay he's the commander of the full and Fulminatrix. <laughs> that doesn't oh, sound okay. Fulminatrix. Fulminatrix. Captain Moden Kennedy served aboard the Star Destroyer Solicitude during the time of the Galactic Empire. Oh. So he's been around. He's been around he's been since. Around. Oh, I love this. When she says, punch it. Yeah. Oh, God, that's a great moment. A great Billy Lord yeah. moment. I really, really grew to love her character, Connix, in, uh, in this film. And then yeah. you see her communicating with Leia on board the bridge. And it's just kind of a sweet moment knowing that's mother and daughter right there on yeah. screen in, in Carrie Fisher's last ever motion picture. Yeah, I hope they can give her some, uh, some more to do. It's, it's, it's nice. Uh, it's a nice connection, you know, to keep in the films with Billy Lord there. And uh, it was, it was, you know, it was bittersweet to see Billy sort of standing in at celebration for, uh, or not at celebration rather, but at the, uh, at the, uh, the, the some of the photo ops, um, you know, for her mother. Oh, she yeah. was at celebration, though. Oh yeah, right at celebration. She did, uh, right. she did lead a, a nice tribute to Carrie there. Right. On, uh, I think the first day of celebration. Yeah. And then here you see uh, BBA doing his, uh, you know, little Jack Corner. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, he, he runs out of bullets and he just throws the gun, you know, just puts the whole head, the whole dome in there. But, uh, you know, the, the um, what I'm what I'm loving about the, you know, this new era of Star Wars is, you know, just that little moment where you see kind of Poe holding on, bracing himself for that big spin, that yes, turn. you oh. just get such more of a sense of what it's really like to be in one of those. In one of those X-Wings, instead of, as Dennis Lawson told us, uh, you know, at Celebration, where you're just kind of sitting there and the thing's sort of, you know, vibrating a little bit, you know, in the cockpit. You just, you really feel like you're in these ships with these. Like right here, where you see um, a quite lovely uh, resistance pilot. Tally. Tally's yeah. wonderful. I loved her. I loved her. Unfortunately, she doesn't make it out alive of this film. But there was just something about her. There was a, a kind of, you know, she had that cocky pilot attitude. It just, yeah. I, you know, maybe I'm looking too much into it. But there was just something that I really, really liked about uh, Tally. Yeah. A lot. I mean, here, I mean, we see here, you know, the... Uh, the the cost of 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 Poe's plan, you know, the Poe's impulsiveness. I mean, he wants to he wants to uh, you know make a big difference here, but as Leia will tell him later, you know, at at, at what cost, at what expense, here it really takes its to- tolls. I really enjoyed uh, the tension that Ryan Johnson's able to build here. On board these bombers, and yeah. just take a, a little, very small individual story and make it uh, really come off as a big event, which it a- mm. absolutely is. You know, the uh, ability to take out one of these dreadnoughts. Yeah. No, so, I mean, in Empire, we we, we see the rebellion. Uh, well, we, we we certainly see our heroes crippled. We never see the rebellion itself take such a massive beating that's what we see in this film you know with the resistance just no, taking I, a, just a pummeling i can't uh, say we do i mean the only thing that really comes close is the defeat at hoth base right right where you know absolutely they had to go running with their tails between their legs but still i mean it just the uh you don't see ship after ship after ship after ship getting the lost. stakes are so much higher here in the yeah. last jedi because you're dealing with Really, all that's remaining. <laughs> yeah, and, and we find that out as the film progresses. That uh, yeah. these guys are it. I mean, they are the end of the line as far as uh, resisting the first order goes. Beautifully shot moment as she falls into that bay. Of, oh yeah, uh, you know that bomb bay. And, and some of this, you know, I know that that, that some of the criticism of, of this film in, in particular is that it is it is shot so differently than any of the previous star wars films like that little close up of her eye when it when she opens up there there's there's actually several moments throughout this film jim where somebody's just waking up from yeah. uh, you know consciousness a finn does it twice um as a matter of fact yeah. uh, we just saw a, a page do it as well um you know we're just it's a different look it's a different director it's a different Visual language um, with with this film, probably more so even than 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 JJ style. I think mm-hmm. Ryan's got a very singular style. Slow motion here, as we see her grabbing the uh, the remote for the, uh, the you know the detonator to send the the bombs down. That's not something um, I, I can't think of a time that George used slow mo. No, never, never. And yeah, uh, yeah and I, I've heard some talk about that too. 
you know, she's in she's in space, so maybe right at that moment there's no gravity there. And then yeah. the bombs drop out because they're being projected toward that area. I I can't believe people are talking about gravity in the realm of Star Wars. Oh. You know, I thought we gave up that conversation back in 1977. No, I, I, you know, we'll talk about it later when we see, uh, you know, uh, Carrie Fisher's uh, 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 flying scene. <laughs> um, but, you know, people talking about... Uh, well, that's just crazy. But, you know, a Jedi levitating rocks makes just total sense. You know, I can really see that. But it is funny what we're willing, you know, what, or I should say what some people are willing to accept in the realm of uh, fantasy and um, fiction and what, you know, and what they're not. It's, it's interesting. But I was going to say that this film, I, I think if I had to summarize, like, the big theme of this movie, it, it, we see just over and over and over is sacrifice. This movie is all about sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about sacrifice. It's be, it's it's a lot about being overcome by your own self confidence too. Yeah, um, yeah. You see that occurring with a lot of the characters, uh, from Snoke to Luke being the most yeah. obvious ones. But then you see minor cases of that happening here and there as we watch hugs. Yeah, here he gets yeah, really <laughs> Get- whipped around. Um, we've. We- you know, Vader would just choke him out, but he he, he never just like threw him around like ragdolls like, like this. Now, you know, we never saw anyone display power of the force via hologram before. And, uh, that, you know, I mean, that's uh, I, I feel that that's a, a really interesting moment yeah. where you have uh, hugs uh, being uh, thrown to the ground just by being in the mere presence of Snoke's hologram. Yeah, you have to right. wonder. Yeah, why didn't uh, did Palpatine slap around Vader from time to time in those situations? No, I mean it, Vader did choke out uh, Admiral Ozzel um, via. Uh, I guess it wasn't really hologram, but you know they were you know they were FaceTiming or. Whatever. Oh, I guess so. You know what? You're you're absolutely right. But they were on board the same ship, at least. That's true. That's true. It wasn't <laughs> reaching out. Oh, there's Finn uh, leaking. <laughs> Uh, so what, they, they what does BB-8 say? He says, Finn leaking bag, Finn naked leaking yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I like that they, they've uh, kind of changed the back to tank. You know, it's now a back to suit. Back to suit, yeah. Back yeah. to school with the back to suit. <laughs> now here we are returning to uh, Octu. Uh, now, Jim, if I recall, this was not a surprise for you. You, you A lot of us thought that the movie was going to open here, but I think I remember you saying that you didn't believe that. You thought it would open up par for the course in Star Wars style with some sort of, uh, 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 you know, Imperial or in this case, uh, First Order ship. um, Well, I think a lot of people believe that was going to pick up because Ryan Johnson had said it's going to pick up right from where The Last Jedi left off. Yeah. Wait, what? What Oh, God, I remember this. You brought this. Where the hell did you find this thing? I, I lost my hand with this thing. Where's my hand, by the way? You know what? I'd rather have my hand. I don't want this. Go away. Get off my oh, this lawn. Is, oh, this, <laughs> this is just, it's the throw that was heard around the world. People just so, uh, uh, just outraged by this. Is it me, but is that environment different from where they shot the end of The, the Force Awakens? It seems like they're standing in a different area. Like maybe Luke walked I, away from her and she had to follow him to another spot. I, I don't think that's I don't the same th- area. I No, I think it is. I, they wouldn't have made that. That's not a continuity area. It looks different. To me, it yeah. looks different. I don't know. Maybe it was just the way the... Now, I'm going to ask a really dumb question here. Are, are the, these structures, they weren't there 
uh, natively, right? They there are similar it. structures on Skellig Michael. Okay. Um, these are not them. Right. This is uh, this is shot on the coast, uh, the the southwest coast of Ireland. Mm. On the uh, actual, you know, the, they're not on the island right here. They By the did... way, Rebel Force Radio logo. I just want to throw that out there. Oh know. yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> absolutely right. There we go. We see. Now, I love the, the pork first... hitting the button. On the... <laughs> a lot of there's been a lot of talk about that button though, because apparently Finn hits the other button in the Force Awakens to ignite the saber. And the and in this film, it's kind of established that that's the on button. Well, on the on the on the toys, that's the button. That's the okay. Button. So Luke laying down. I wanted to. This is the big moment, you know. Luke laying down. Oh, here comes Chewie bursting I, through the. Door. I thought at first it was Ray breaking the door off with the force power. With I was like, right. wow, is she really? But no, it's just the brute strength right. of the Wookiee. This is probably Chewie's biggest moment, really, in this film. When you think about it. Well, there's also him piloting the Falcon on crate. Yes, Which that's a, true. Yeah, that, that's that's a nice moment. Luke realizes now. Now we know that Luke has not felt the death of Han Solo in the force. Thank you. Yes, that we, we that's first confirmation we have that Luke has cut himself off from the force. Yeah. And uh, uh, Snoke's uh, very red pad. This is the, the Snoke pad. In the tradition of Palpatine's place mm-hmm. on Coruscant and, uh, you know, his apartment in The Phantom Menace was very red. Yeah. And this whole throne room design is based on a Ralph McQuarrie design for the Emperor uh, that he created uh, for Return of the Jedi when it was thought that the Emperor's lair was underground in a, a cave with lava flowing through it. This is very similar, especially the throne itself. Very similar to the the design, the original Ralph McQuarrie design. But and I here we go. This, no, I, can, I feel like, dude, I feel like I can smell his breath. Yeah. In some of these close up shots, like, I was just going to say, what an amazing application of CGI here. Uh, yeah. Really, uh, really believe that he's in the room with them. And notice his attendants in the background with the glowing eyes, those tall guys in the cloaks with the hoods and the glowing eyes. Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah, they're, I they're never really noticed impressive. that. They're right really now. impressive. They, they get spotlighted in uh, the Last Jedi visual dictionary. Mm. Um, they're attendants of Snoke's. Uh, they're actually called the attendants. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're alien navigators who originated in the unknown regions. Kind of remind me of the imperial dignitaries that uh, were surrounding Palpatine. He had his imperial guards, and then there were, yeah. the, you know, the other old dudes. Similar, but with the Jawa flavor of glowing eyes. <laughs> yeah, which in this I, case, I yes. love. I love. I I saw uh, this film IMAX 3D most recently, and during this scene, I was just captivated by those guys mm. because the rich detail in which I could see them. Now here he's taunting Kylo so much. Kylo's like, "What can I do?" To-? You know, this is like the kid who scores all the f- touchdowns in the football game, and his coach dad tells him, "Well, you, you were offside on that one play. Go to your room." You know, it's like, <laughs> and here, suck on some force lightning. Yeah. See the well, I mean, he calls him out for having you know lost the the battle there on. On Starkiller Pace uh, against a girl who had never held a lightsaber before, you know, it's it's kind of like you lost to a girl, <laughs> a little bit. Well, you your experience means nothing is what yeah. it means. Right, you got right. bested by someone who's untrained, who comes from nowhere, who's a nobody, 
and you got bested by her. It's yeah. You know, my wife pointed out. She said what's so interesting. She thought about Adam Driver. She goes, she goes. In one shot, he looks like you know a a man, a very strong man, and then in another shot, he looks like a little boy. She said he, his face has a lot of variation. That's a, a very very astute observation, that, and it's something that I've noticed but never actually articulated. Yeah. Um, but I definitely feel that, and I think that's a testimony to what a great actor this guy really is. This is his movie. This Look is at, his movie. I mean, you feel the rage coming off of him. He, see, he tells him to prepare his ship, and they yeah. see his mask there smashed on the ground. It's... It's it's just really impressive the acting performance he brought, and I think you got to give Ryan Johnson a lot of credit for bringing it out of him. Oh, for sure. You know, I think this is no some question. of the the best acting in all of the saga, yeah. in any Star Wars. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to put up some uh, better acting chops in the films. I mean, even going back to guys like Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. um, Ian McDiarmid. Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah. I mean, wow, wow. Would, would I like to see those actors being directed by Ryan Johnson? If he can bring these out, these performances out of, uh, you know, Mark and Daisy and, and Adam and Adam. Yeah, Adam Driver. So yeah. good in this. Chewie just sits there. Yeah. It's a little unfortunate that Chewie gets kind of. He, he, like you said, Jason, he really doesn't get much to do. He gets about, I, I think we could count on one hand the, the amount of, uh, oh, did you notice that creature swimming in the water in the background? Oh, yeah, 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 I love that. Yeah, that's so this nice is just, a, you know, sort of a day in the life of Luke Skywalker here on Octu. Right, uh, right. Starts off the day with a little morning fishing. A little and, fishy. Uh, well, first he has to wet his whistle, though. Now, what's interesting here, Jim, so we know that he... He's cut himself off from the force. Oh, yeah. He's got- Hold on. We got a little audio here for this moment. Uh, yes. If, if you would uh, be so kind. Uh, is uh, Master Skywalker helps himself? Milk. Yeah! It does a body good. <laughs> it's gone from the blue milk to the green milk. Yeah. And, of course, you know, they- <laughs> Ray's a little embarrassed for the creature. Um, so, yeah, so, so the skill that he's demonstrating here now, this is a guy who's cut himself off from the force. But, you know, for an older guy, he's getting around pretty good. You know, is this is this some kind of is this any kind of touching into the force, his ability to do all of this? I think, you know, going through the sort of training he's gone through, having the experience that he's had as a soldier, it's definitely prepared him for this. And keep in mind, just because Luke has turned himself off from the Force, it doesn't mean the Force has turned itself off from Luke. Yeah. Keep that By in the mind. Way, there, there's the, that compass that we were talking about. That's you not know? the compass. That's she's holding the device that links her back to Leia. That's, but, right, right. But that is isn't that the thing that we kept no. speculating as a compass? No, the compass we only see once briefly. It's sitting on Luke's desk as he's folding up his Jedi robes. Ah, okay. And All you right. see it there sitting on the desk. That compass was actually designed by Dave Filoni, and it was designed specifically for the film. The story group had uh, come up with the concept of a force compass that sort of guided Luke to Octu. It, it was mm. one of the things that led him to discover exactly where this hidden place. Oh, that's was. right, and it ties into um, into the Battlefront game. Right? Absolutely, yeah, he gets absolutely it does. Yeah, items and that he gets. So, 
so Story Group came up with this idea. Uh, they contacted Ryan Johnson. They said, we're shooting a scene next week where we can fit this this uh, little piece of uh, set design, this little, uh, decoration in, and uh, you know we can get the prop if you can get us the prop right away. So Filoni created the uh, compass, and uh, they they 3D printed it overnight and uh, sent oh. it out to the set, and there it appeared in the the final film. Excellent. Per story group, and a place there so someone in the future can actually. If the opportunity presents itself, someone could tell the story about that actual compass. And as you said, Jason, we heard a little bit about that story being told in Battlefront 2. Right. So here she's she's in the library now. Yes. And so I thought Luke was going to go in there and go, shh. <laughs> like they do to me, all the librarians in my public library. But no, uh, you're allowed to speak freely here. And uh, I, I thought we'd uh, get a little bit of info about what's in the books, but I think it's irrelevant to the overall story. You know, yeah, I mean, just give right. us little tidbits of Jedi info. I'm sure the, this stuff will be uh, at Barnes and Noble, uh, you know, within the next year or two. <laughs> sure. You know, sure. Well, although Yoda reveals later that these are not page turners. So we're yeah, not missing yeah. a whole lot. Not, not a very good Amazon <laughs> review from old Yoda. It's like two stars, two stars. <laughs> But this is when he starts to really get interested in, in just who is this. And, and, and the way he says, why are you here? And, and she's like, well, you know, I was sent by, you know, by Leia and, the, and, and the, the, the resistance. And he's like, no, why are you here? Like, of all the people in the galaxy, why you? And I like how Ryan didn't rush the actors through this moment. And he really yeah. gives us time to breathe and let this, you know, we feel Daisy Ray, we feel her considering why she's there, what brings her there, this thing she's feeling inside her, this potential she knows she has, and this yearning to be trained by who she believes is the only person who can actually train her. Well, the last Jedi. And he's like, no, 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 I'm retired. <laughs> not he's not, he's not interested in her at all. Until he realizes that this place was calling her. That's yes. when he starts to realize. That's when the that, eyebrow uh, goes up. This is somebody. Yeah. Because he's cut himself off from the force. Huh? So he couldn't feel it coming from her. You know, he right. wouldn't he would normally, you know, reach out with his feelings and discover that she was strong in the force. But he has uh, he, he slammed that door shut and he is unwilling to open it up. Well, just like For, he didn't feel Han's death. Right. Right. I mean, there's. Yeah. There was, you know, no impetus for him to. Jonas Leia's got the water bottle there with the little clip on the top. Well, you know, that's like kind you of might yeah. have on your backpack. Yeah, or you, you see in, uh, you know, somebody's cubicle. Yes, yeah. like yeah. their thermos. It's like, like it's like right out of the office. Is that she's, Jim's? She's got chicken soup there. in there. Oh, the big slap. She goes, great line from her though, where she goes, "Get your head out of your cockpit." Yeah, <laughs> great it line. Is a great line. In fact, that that line is so good, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a Carrie Fisher line. Actually, we do know, we do know that she uh, was 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 creating some stuff. In fact, the scene that we'll see uh, much later on when she's reunited with Luke about her hairstyle that was uh, that was a Carrie Fisher moment. She yeah, no more baboon ass. Created. Yeah. Now that line that she gives Poe there, you know that yeah, there were a lot of brave people. A lot of soldiers, but no leaders. Mm. No, that's a little harsh. Yeah, yeah. Now Finn harsh. is just completely obsessed with Ray. 
you oh, know, yeah. at this point. He is well, just absolutely obsessed with Ray. Well, think where he, his last memory is. I mean, his last memory is he saw Kylo Ren throw Ray in the air up against, up a against tree, that tree, right? Yeah, and she was right. out cold. He doesn't yeah. know what you know sort of shape she was in, and uh, he he. You know, so he was uh, taken out of the picture without even realizing how that conflict ended. How did right. he escape? How? Where's Ray? Yeah. What's happening? Where's Where's that maniac that was attacking us? That monster. Now, Jim, as we we've we've commented many times about the you know the, the lack of familiar aliens, and you know we we receive emails and posts on the Facebook page. Like, oh, well, there's Admiral Akbar. Yes, we know there's Admiral Akbar. <laughs> But there's a lot more familiar aliens in the Star Wars, uh, you know, established Star Wars universe than just Admiral Akbar and Nine Numb. Right. I, I want to see, that, you know, the, the population uh, in the background. You know, I, I yeah. want to see the, the familiar Ishi things. Ishi Tibbs. What happened to Ishi Tib? Boat snicking. <laughs> Boat snicking. Uh, right. <laughs> but so you mentioned Admiral Akbar, and I, I got to admit, you know, this is my fifth time watching the film and everything, and uh, I, I feel like there's something wrong with me. I just don't care that he got killed off in this film is, is is that something does that make me a bad person oh now watch here there's tally so you yeah. know she's gonna she's gonna oh, perish yeah. here in the yeah. hangar and i was Sad. bummed i thought that I, I thought there was potential for her character really i i don't know what it, i just I, I like her but um but back to akbar yeah um I think it's because I'm just so burnt out on the it's a trap jokes that I'm happy to see him go. There, I said it. I said it. It's a trap. Yes. The by the, by, by the way, Kylo showing that he really is Anakin's grandson as he does some of those, those great spin moves there in his uh, in his fighter. Let's spin. And, That's uh, a good trick. Look at this Boom, devastation there goes right Tally. there. Wow. Oh. Tally. We hardly knew ye. And, and Poe, he takes that blast like a champ. Yeah, I mean, he just yeah. is like... By the way, this happens to my Sphero BB-8 all the time as the head comes off when my son's driving him around the house. <laughs> uh, it's like, just like just like home. Yeah. And then, the, and then of course, Finn and Poe. Uh, best buddies there. All right, now yeah, stand by. Calling the, calling the shots. Leia is uh, definitely directing this battle. She's yeah, doing a good Clark. job, too. Yeah, oh, sure. I, yeah. I like seeing her, you know, because that goes all the way back to A New Hope when she was in the war room on Yavin Base. Right. At right. Echo oh, Base, here's the, here's she's the giving commands. Here's the connection. Now, we're getting dangerously close here at this point. Now, this is telling. This is telling. Kylo cannot bring himself to do it he's got the triggers he knows his mother is on that bridge he cannot do it here go the thumbs thumbs off and then before he has a chance to really think about it yeah his backup ships they do the job for him now she prepares whoa she's prepared she's ready that's the thing she is ready she knows it's coming she knows it's coming she prepares and that's the thing about this moment that I caught on the last viewing is that I, I I really buy it because she's readying herself. And I heard people online, Jim, talking about, oh, she created a force bubble around herself and all this stuff. It's like, I, I mean, that's that's clever thinking, I grant you. But 
It's sci fantasy. Why do you need to? Why do you need to figure it out? We weren't trying to figure out the way. You know why Luke was able to lift rocks and Yoda was able to lift the X wing out of the the uh, the Dagobah swamp. Why do we have to figure out how she survived this? Why is space suddenly just? Oh, this just doesn't make any sense anymore. Come on. And here is the moment you're speaking of. Yes, as she tumbles yeah. through the weightlessness of space. Yeah. And gradually begins to come to. Starts People to reach out this. with the force. Starts to show some signs of life. Yes. And her eyes open. And she reaches out for that spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. There it is. Now notice she flies right through the schematic there of Snoke's Star Destroyer, and that is very much foreshadowing of Admiral Haldo's sacrifice that happens later in the film. As she cuts through that hologram of Snoke Star Destroyer. And the fact that and the fact that she, you know, needs immediate medical attention after this uh you know act of hers, um I think I think it I think it's quite believable. I, I I don't have a problem with it. Believable from a Star Wars perspective. I don't have a problem with this at all. I like that Ray is just camped out, you know, right in front of Luke's door. You know, he's he's gotta He's got to soften up at some point. She's not giving up on him. And this is just <laughs> these porks. <laughs> What's not to love about this? Hey, poor Chewie. He's just trying to trying to get a little meat. You know, he's plucked this sucker and cooked it. And <laughs> all those, probably his mother tired of all those <laughs> Millennium Falcon stale rations. Right. Stale. But you know what? Chewie with the heart of gold, he can't bring himself to do it. He's just going to sit there and be hungry. No. He was saying, I wish I had some barbecue sauce. And then he went and got some and ate that thing. You know, until the trailer, this is a moment that I hadn't really thought about. And then I just realized after the trailer, like, what a cool moment. Here's Luke. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You know, is this is this this is not just Luke. This is Mark Hamill returning to the scene. You know, I have those uh, dice, by the way. The the dice. dice, The dice all of a sudden have aura besh. (laughs) Yeah. On them, but the original dice were just regular dice, or a bash, or whatever those symbols actually are. Right. Um, right. W- it makes a great marketing opportunity, and I'm surprised that uh, somebody hasn't merchandised the Han Solo dice that we can hang from our the mirrors in our cars. You know, I mean, the rear view mirror would be fantastic. Well, we have the dice, the gold dice that were released. They were made out of the re- the original casts. So I'm actually looking. At a pair that I have right here, oh. but uh, more importantly, uh, the reunion of Luke and R two. It's it's almost like you know Timmy and Lassie being reunited here. <laughs> Very good, yeah. And then R two, uh, little nostalgia the, trip, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, I I, I really uh, I really had the feels during this moment when I first oh, saw yeah. the film. It was just taking you right back to when we first met Luke, well, and this is R two saying, "Luke, she needs you again." Yeah, what happened to you, man? Right. You used to answer the call. And now what? He doesn't realize. 
Luke no. tells him it's a long story. <laughs> yeah, he's, I wish I could make you understand. But it softens him up. You know, we talked about R2 not saving the day. This is the closest he gets in this film. Is he finally, finally melts the ice cold heart of Luke Skywalker and he agrees. Three lessons. That's it. No more, no less. And he does give her those lessons. I mean, when you think about it, Luke was not trained by Obi-Wan for that long. No. I mean, he oh, did, you know, there, there was the ace in the hole, which was Yoda on Dagobah. And, and even Vader commented you know, several times during that throne room, throne room battle in Return of the Jedi, where he says Obi-Wan could not have taught him much. You know, Obi-Wan taught you well. He keeps saying that stuff. It's like, no, not Obi-Wan. It was Yoda. But Vader wouldn't know. Yeah. But uh, Poe reality- thinks he's getting a promotion here, by the way. Oh, oh does he? It's yeah. one of those things. <laughs> hey, we've all been there, right? You know, all right, this is my moment. No, no, who's she? Now, Haldo comes out, and, and you could understand where Poe might feel a little resistance working with her, no pun intended. But it's, you know, she comes out there. She's not wearing proper military attire. Mm-hmm. She, uh, you know, just, I mean, she looks like she just She's a politician. From, she, well, she looks like she came from a, a cocktail party or something. <laughs> and uh, these guys are, you know, fighting for their lives. They're fighting a war. They're, they're trying to maintain their distance from these uh, First Order Star Destroyers and... Uh, Poe just doesn't feel it from her. Now, a lot yeah. of people note that um, the the friction between Poe and, and Haldo is uh, it, it's you know people take Poe's side and say, well, he he needs to know, and other people take Haldo's side and say, no, she's the admiral; she doesn't need to tell him anything. But I maintain myself that the pecking order of the military is becoming irrelevant because the resistance is so shrunken small at this point. It's almost as if, you know, leadership is always important. Yes, I agree. But transparency in a situation when you're working with a really small group, like in this situation, where you have people doing all kind of different tasks, you know, they're being stretched to the limit. And Poe Dameron is definitely... A great pilot. He's 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 someone who has led them in battle many times. Um, she just doesn't feel like she can trust him because the last thing he did earned him a demotion, lost a lot of lives. She looks at him as being reckless, as being uh, trigger happy. Um, yeah, the and, fly and, boy. And, it, well, and, and and you know what? She's not wrong either. She's right. definitely not wrong. Um, he is headstrong. He is headstrong. But we root for Poe because we've seen Poe do all kind of cool stuff. We've never seen Holdo before in our lives. So as audience members, we're instantly sympathetic for Poe because we've seen him do heroic things. Well, and some folks said, well, why, why create Holdo when you had Admiral Akbar, who could have easily stepped into the role of Holdo? But I don't know that that's the case because I think one of Holdo's roles in this film is to make you suspect her i suspected her i thought she was a double agent through Mm -hmm. you know a a portion of this movie that was i never would have expected that of admiral akbar yeah finn with the uh, escape pod here you know you know classic greatest classic classic 
Rebel Escape Pod design. Yeah, good from call. A New Hope, right. from the the Rebel Blockade Runner, exactly the same. I mean, they studied that thing. It looks the same on the outside as it does on the inside. Going I almost to expect to see three PO and R two sitting. Yeah, in there. right. Oh, oh, it's occupied. <laughs> Can't tease a droid. Uh, uh, you know, Finn doing what Finn does best, right? Run away. I mean, in this case, his heart's in the right place. He wants to get that tracker as far away from this because, you know, Finn, just like he felt with the Starkiller base, you know, the resistance is no match. And, he, and now he feels it even more strongly. The resistance is no match. We, I got to make sure that when Ray hears the call to to home via this tracker... She doesn't end up in the midst of a losing battle. Right. There's something deliciously old school about Kelly Marie Tran and the way she acts in this scene. There's just something classic Hollywood about her enthusiasm. When she talks about, my sister said, Rose, that's a hero. You know, it's something just, it it feels almost World War II-like. Like Like she's from, you know, a a film from that era. It's... uh, she brought so much to this character that I wasn't expecting. And yeah, I became a lot of, a lot of wide-eyed, uh, like you say, enthusiasm and uh, freshness. There's just something very fresh about her, but yet, you know, she still she still fits. Now here's the uh, here's this his second moment of just waking up abruptly. <laughs> That's all he does. And he did it a few times in The Force Awakens, too. He found himself on the Jakku Desert just waking yeah. up. We yeah. see a lot of that from... That's the new from thing Finn. is just suddenly waking up, yeah. you know? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We do see it a lot in this movie. Let's try to keep a count from this point forward. Uh, that's the How third one. How many times one. we see the abrupt wake-up? That's the third one. <laughs> I can think of a few more that are coming up, so... Yeah. This we'll reminds me a little card. bit of Jar Jar. My tongue. Blah, blah, blah. He said, I can't feel my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> but they, so, you know, they start to uh, get to know each other here, obviously. And uh, but but what Rose is is talking about just in the, in the last scene here earlier is that that people are deserting. People are trying to desert. Mm-hmm. They realize that they're on a perilous course. And um, by the way, I, I, I know it's been pointed out before, but I don't think we've really talked about it. Very Battlestar Galactica here, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no question that uh, the new Battlestar Galactica, I think, had a an impact on Ryan and the, a bit on the way he's telling this this story. Um, but obviously, Star Wars had a huge impact on Battlestar Galactica. There was no Star Wars. There would never have been a BSG. And that's the absolute truth. Right. And uh, so the, the whole slow chase thing, I, I think, let me see if I've interpreted this correctly for what's going on here. That uh, the ship, the, the um, rebel ship is not, it can't outrun the Star Destroyer, but it can stay just the right distance away to av- avoid getting shot by them. They can right. stay in this, like, sweet spot yep. and maintain that. And so anytime like, the Star Destroyer starts moving faster, they can move a little faster and just maintain this this distance of safety where mm-hmm. they're uh, impervious to being uh, shot by the Star Destroyer. Right. They're just just out of range. Just of out their, of range. Of, right. the, of their weapons, unless they were to deploy probably the, the TIE Fighters, but... 
even then, you know, we know that TIE fighters can't get too far away from the mothership. Or they run their... Are they in Leia's bedroom here? Or is she just... Is she just in the kitchen? Like, for a moment, I feel like they're in a kitchen. Well, I I think uh, because of the damage the ship has sustained, she's set up in some sort of... um, Temporary sick bay, you know, uh, uh, sort yeah. of uh, improvised sick bay. Right now, apparently, the information they have those schematics where they ha- they actually have the the, the um, technical readout of Snoke's ship. Apparently, the backstory behind that is uh, those were passed along to the Resistance by Iden Versio, and those are actually that's actually information ah. she was able to claim uh, during the Battlefront Two era. Mm-hmm. Campaign, what have you? Mas then Kanata, here we, uh, you know, Lapita. Now, see Lupita. here, a lot you're, of people. Do you remember wondered. the story, Jim, about the where, where, you know, we were, gosh, it was like uh, principal photography had practically wrapped up, and we had quotes from Lapita saying, "Yeah, I haven't been uh, asked to do anything yet." Mm-hmm. But apparently, apparently, she was under contract for three films, and they had to find a place to put her in this film, mm. even though she didn't fit in Ryan's story. I believe her contract dictated she had to be placed in it somewhere. And so that's yeah. why we get her here instead of Lando. <laughs> it's that, there's a lot of uh, instead of Lando characters uh, in this film. Yeah, that is true. I mean, Maz, can, the actual yeah. master codebreaker himself right. could have been Lando Calrissian. For or sure. Lobot. Or Lobot. Yeah. Now here's here's a, a very important moment in the film. Of course, first, first they both recognize that the force is connecting them, and it's it's really cool how their environment sort of it, with the sound design they kind of mesh together, and then boom, it just it goes silent. Yes, and uh, then you know they're both in the same realm of existence. I think it, it comes on they're breathing, and uh, you know it's. Uh, it's yeah, great it, sound design by Matthew Wood. Fantastic. Right fantastic. here. And, and from what I understand, he was given full reign. I mean, he was, they really gave him a lot of uh, freedom as, as far as how the uh, film was mixed. Uh, Matt yeah. and, and the, the brilliant sound editors, designers, and mixers uh, at uh, Sky Sound. I mean, it's, it's so real. You know, it's, it's obvious that... This is very new to Kylo because he, he he's not experienced anything quite like this before. Oh, nobody has, I don't think. I mean, you know, a lot of people were talking about the connection between Ezra and Darth Maul in mm-hmm. uh, Rebels uh, is, is a place where we may have seen this sort of uh, communication going on. And keep in mind, Luke did say... Uh, when he was uh, first talking to 3PO in the Lars garage, uh, he said something about uh, not unless you can, uh, what, do you, what do you say, uh, move up time or tra- transport, teleport me off teleport this rock. Teleport me off this rock, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, hey, look, you know, sooner or later we're going to discover Luke actually may have discovered the way to teleport himself off that rock. Literally. Yeah. Now, Luke, does it's, it's crucial here. You know, Luke comes out and he, he does not see. No. The communion happening. He just sees the caretakers. <laughs> and he sees the blast off at Ray. Yeah. Hey, what happened? 
Oh, my blaster went off. I was cleaning it. And I and I like how Ryan Johnson sets it up too. Luke comes out and goes, "What's that all about? You don't you think he's talking about the yeah. communication going on between Kylo and Ray, but it's actually the blast hole as the caretakers are working hard to take care of it because they are caretakers and they take care of things. Back to Skellig Michael, whenever you see those Jedi steps, you know we're back on Skellig and they're taking oh. full advantage of that. Apparently they only had 3 days of availability uh, to use this as a location. Because of uh, the very strict environmental law that huh. governs this particular shooting location. Now, now we're back on set here. I, I'm sure this yeah. was shot at Pinewood. This is the uh, temple. And then that, that character that's there in that, uh, that round uh, dais. Jedi Prime, the original yes. Jedi. Some people are noting Jedi. that he... Uh, if you, if you take a look at that, that mosaic, you can find it in the Art of Book. Uh, some people have noted that it resembles Snoke in a way with the big bulbous bald mm. head and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. that may be a stretch. I'm actually flipping through a book right now to see if I can give you the uh, the written definition of what that thing. Oh, there it is. There it is. I, I, I got to tell you, this is one of my my favorite scenes in the whole film. I, I love oh, this. God, yes. This reminds me of the the, the great... Line from on, so that's not how the force works, you know. But uh, where Luke's just you know, seeing how quickly Ray is to jump onto sort of superficial, she thinks she's doing it, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna really get an A plus on this first, this first lesson. And he says, Reach out, yeah. And now he's going to mess with her. This is kind yeah. of his Mr. Miyagi moment. You could see oh, the, you sure. know, the, the, the karate kid getting this sort of treatment from Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I that's love that force. moment. A, a lot of people are you know, poo-pooing that one, but I say yeah. no way. I, I love it. He's messing I with her. Too. It's like that, you know, master samurai, you know, the... Or, you know, like I said, the Karate Kid. It's Mr. Miyagi. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't want Luke Skywalker to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi is Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love the fact that he is different here, that that he is uh, he's not a clone of anybody. This is the wide-eyed wanderer kid always looking to adventure. This is his take on being the cranky old Jedi Master. This is really, the more I see it, is is a more impactful scene. This is probably one of the best visual representations of what the Force is. That balance between all those extremes, between life and death and peace and violence and all of the things she talks about. Yeah. really helps you understand. And this is where the, the, the crux of Luke's argument is to say... That doesn't belong to the Jedi. The Jedi don't own the Force. And to say that all of that goes if the Jedi disappear is arrogance. And he had to learn this the hard way. Right. And that's what he's trying to teach Rey. He's He is actually learning from failure here. I don't know if Luke is learning, but he's passing along a lesson to be learned for sure. Yes. Well, well... But like on Dagobah, we have a we have a dark place here. This is it's like a blowhole or something that you would see (laughs) on Hawaii or on a you know the 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 back of a whale. But uh, 
she's be- beginning to, to physically influence the environment. And I, yes. I tend to believe this is something Luke has never seen before. You know, um, we do see later Kylo pull down that hut on top of Luke. But that's yes. a deliberate use of the force. This is Ray simply just communicating with the force and it causes the ground to split, <laughs> you know, when she starts getting attracted to the dark side. You yes. start to see the environment itself react. Well, I mean, it sounds as though, you know, the look, she's getting the sense that the answers that she's looking for are there. Luke's telling her, no, that's a dark place. She's going there anyway. Yeah. She wants, she she's, and, and that's her act. She of, wants answers. That's her act of, of selfishness, in my opinion. You know, she she knows that what she does is by by interacting with the dark side is so strong it can split the ground, yeah. but yet that's not going to keep her from diving right in, which we see she does later. But she gets kind of pushed into that direction too. Mm-hmm. One by one, all the ships are being destroyed and it seems as though as we'll see later on in the film they're kind of all taking turns you know being the sacrificial lamb as uh finn and rose are on their way to canto bite and uh yeah ray's (laughs) here we see the porgs have taken over yeah yeah i like that one he's got like the circuitry wrapped around his head (laughs) yeah they have a nest and ripping the leather off the seat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then here you see Ray I mean she's really just giddy because she has not been around rain very much in her life right. growing up on Jakku right. that uh, that's a just a, a really just tender and kind of beautiful and and whimsical moment for for Daisy yeah. there these are these little things that Ryan Johnson oh. has been able to capture and now these two are actually going to start talking to each other let's have it out let's have it out you monster <laughs> so, um, but you know, it's it's interesting to watch how this relationship progresses. The first time they encounter each other, she opens fire on him. <laughs> you know, the right. second time they 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 want to they're they're searching for something. They're looking for answers. Ray is yes. constantly looking, searching for answers in this film. Kylo is constantly searching for affirmation in this film, and it's it's interesting to see how these two are. Are, are bisecting and 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 carrying on with each other in this sort of way, and and you see the walls start to eventually break between the two of them. Sure, sure. It's, and, it's and a beautiful feel- way how they progress this relationship, and and quite honestly, something I wish George Lucas could have applied to the Anakin Padme relationship with a little bit more authority. Mm. Um, you know, in this, I can clearly see how their connection to each other grows with each communication they have with each other. Anakin and Padme seems really abrupt at times, um, how he jumps, you know. All of a sudden, she says to him, uh, before they get pulled out into the Geonosian arena, she looks at him and she goes, I love you. And he's like, what? Yeah. You know, he, he didn't even expect that one. Yeah. Going to Canto Bight. wild them. aliens here. Uh, we see some very reminiscent of the Jabba sail barge, especially the front end there, and the way the masts kind of curve back. I thought it's got a similar design here. You know, the commentary here is uh, you've got a system that has become 
wealthy. By the way, this is Joseph Gordon-Levitt that does the yeah right the voice of this uh, Abinetto, yeah. who we see over and over again in these films, and we, we get a cruise through. The uh, very exotic, I love that droid, that waiter droid. Uh, that's uh, Warwick Davis right there who was rolling the dice. Mm. He was one of those little laughing guys. Um, but again, we're, you know, a lot of uh, just, you know, we're seeing a lot of humans, uh, humanoid. You know, I, I, I would love to see a sprinkling of some of the classic creatures and aliens from the prequels and the OT in here. And that's what George Lucas did really great with the prequel trilogy was he gave us frames with tons of eye candy in them and really well thought out too and and George mm-hmm. always knew how to to spotlight the certain things here a lot of times with the sequel trilogy I feel like there are certain things I'd like to stare at a little longer and they just blow by so fast you see that weird turkey looking alien in the background there he's really odd and interesting oh, and then oh, again yeah. again the server droid is there and uh, but th- my, some of my favorite things to do with Star Wars films is just let your eyes dart all around these frames. Like, look at that guy there. He's got kind of the squid head uh, look to him. But just discovering little things that are hidden in the corners of each frame is very interesting. Now, uh, Paul Bateman pointed out something to me about this scene. You see, they're they're up. They're looking way up high on the uh, track. But when they go back into the casino itself, they're instantly ground level with the track as we see because the steeds then crash into the casino later on in the sequence wait, 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 what is this what are you talking about yeah look so they're up high right they're looking right, at sure. the track down below i mean it looks like they're about three or yeah. four you got floors up on there yeah. you know and, well we see the debut of broom boy here more on broom boy later but he's doing some heroic stuff here trying to stand up for the animals and uh and this is something that Rose feels very connected to. She grew up on a planet similar to this. Very interesting aliens here. And then into just like normal humans. Um, which is pretty much how the cantina was. But with the cantina with its cutaways and all the alcoves and then the, the quick shot of the band and all that stuff. It, I, I felt just like instantly connected to all those aliens. And I just don't get that so much here with the Canto by Casino. Even though I think it's a really great. Now, look, they only come down, what, four or five steps? They're about ten steps. And now they're back in the casino. Mm-hmm. And as you'll see later, the fathers then crash through the window at the casino. Meaning, you know, maybe the, the, the turns on the, the track are banked so it goes up high on the turns. And then they're just looking at the straightaway. I'll have to talk to Paul. I think, we, about I think we have another sudden wake-up here coming, I think, uh We've seen Finn just stunned Bonk. by the security, the Canto Bite cops. All right. Well, cut away to Ray. Yeah. And this is uh, another sequence shot on Skellig Michael again because this rock formation is a natural landmark there on the rocky island in Ireland. And... Uh, so if you go to visit Skellig Michael, you can actually see this rocky formation... Mm. that Ray is training in front of and then eventually just cuts in half with her Jedi saber. She doesn't really cut it in half, right? Oh, she does. She slices it. She slices right in half. Watch. See, look at that thing. It looks like she's so far away from it, too. Doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But as you can see, she's standing right over it. And Luke, out of curiosity, comes down the steps to take a look at this. 
I, I wonder what his curiosity, what's fueling his curiosity right here. This is a saber he threw away. And now he sees this girl who he's offered to give three lessons to in the Force, in the Jedi way. And uh, here he sees her using his father's lightsaber, his former saber. And there she cuts the rocks in half. The rock formation falls down the cliff and wipes out the caretaker thing. there. And she doesn't even apologize here. She doesn't <laughs> even say, no. I'm sorry. You think she goes, sorry. Yeah, you know, these poor things. And they're just like, you know, whatever. Just turns around. He's out of there. He doesn't want to. He's like, was it me? <laughs> and he's out of there. <laughs> well, you never, you don't really know what the caretakers think of Luke. We know they don't like Ray. But uh, I'm guessing that they probably thought Luke was just as much a, an intruder as Ray. And this is when he really lays it all out for. Her. This is lesson number two, I believe, right? When, when you realize he's carrying the burden not only of his own failure, but he's also carrying the burden of his father's failure and the failure of Obi-Wan. When he specifically cites that it was a Jedi master who trained Darth Vader, you know, he's, yeah. he, he's not bearing the burden. Burden for for what Vader has done, his own father, but he's also bearing the burden for what his master did, Master Obi Wan, by sure. training Vader and sending everyone on this path. And so he's connecting the dots, saying, "You know what? We can't we can't play this game anymore. Yeah. It, it, it's it's working in cycles. Everything right. is is going right. in circles here. We we have to. We, and so he feels the burden." And that's what forces his exile and his separation from the Force. Luke can't do anything but think in the moment. But he's always looking toward the future. He's thinking, what will happen if I do this? What will happen if I do this? You know, obviously, he's trying to stay as many steps ahead that he can. And by doing so, he loses focus and he feels defeated. It's what Yoda talks yeah. about. Always looking toward the future. Never his mind on who, where he is, what he's doing. Now, this and, is the first, this is the first uh, recounting of this tale. We'll hear Kylo's version later. Yeah. And, you but, know, it's, uh, it's the game of telephone, you know. It's just, you, you sure. It from different people, different ways. Well, it's all about perception. You know, the guy, the, the guy wakes up. He sees his uncle with a ignited lightsaber ready to take him out and you see luke in the flashback looking very much like the luke we'll see eventually show up on crate yes it's a very similar look and so he's taking he projects himself that way on the crate later on in the film because he knows that that's how kylo last perceived him and he wants right. to pick up where they left off exactly Exactly. But he did unfortunately forget he left out a big detail with this little story when telling it to Ray. And that's about yes. him pulling out the green saber. And uh I uh you know it it's 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 that moment where he just becomes so overcome and he realizes that this is his chance to 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 kill this growing darkness and like Obi-Wan he fails at his only opportunity to wipe it out. Obi-Wan walked away from Anakin Skywalker as he lay there burning on Mustafar because he was confident that Anakin would not survive that. 
and he didn't want Anakin's, you know, final blood on his hands. So we just left him there to die. But so he failed. He could have killed Anakin at that moment. Here we and go. Here's he did another it. sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, another sacrifice. And Haldo sees this. And that's some some foreshadowing for her eventual. Was that comedian uh, George Wallace? No, 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 no. No. <laughs> George no, Wallace, no. George Wallace has he passed away a few years ago, I believe. No, he didn't. No, George is still around. Are you sure? Yeah, George Wallace. What? The stupid things guy? People yeah. got to stop saying stupid yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. No, he's still alive. You're, you're checking it, aren't you? Yeah, you can hear me the, typing, can't you? Yeah, yeah. The Canto Bite cops here playing a little little poker as they, uh, they, as they guard. He's obviously clearly very dangerous perpetrators. Perps, as we hear later. I oh, owe an perps. apology to George Wallace and his family. Thank he's alive you. and well. Kicking uh, at age 65. So. Oh, my gosh. 65 yeah. years young. All right. Good for him. Good for him. You know, the, the second viewing of this for me, or, or actually, excuse me, the third viewing, uh, I really started to like this DJ character and what Benicio does in this film. Benicio is just so great at just inventing and creating characters and giving them all this dimension and you know i i even love the little uh stutter that it gives him but i also like to think that this is sleaze bagano just grown up oh <laughs> that's it with the death sticks yeah but i'll tell you uh benicio uh the the stuttering i believe comes from the fact that he keeps using these little metal pieces to trip up electronic circuits and everything and i think he takes a bit of that shock himself and i think it's it's really uh, had some long-term effects on him to where he has to stutter but he's still cool he's still benicio del toro cool in this and i i wasn't really sure I was feeling that the first time I was introduced to his character but the more I see this the more I realize what Benicio himself is bringing to the character as he always does in well, any first, film he's in. The first time I saw this, you know, I I knew that when they were set on this errand to find the master codebreaker that they were going to end up with with DJ, that they were going to end up with Benicio, but I I I had this feeling that you know, somehow Benicio really is that you know was the master codebreaker, and he you know somehow convinced the uh, the guy in the white dinner jacket to 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 wear that flower on his vest so that nobody would know it was him. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's what was going on in my mind, and in a way, you know, for all intents and purposes, he is the master codebreaker for this film, so he is that character. Uh, but what are the odds? Yeah, right. end up in that <laughs> prison. And the Faviers, these very majestic, uh, part horse, part goat, part... I love them. Yeah. I was talking to Billy Mack about these things. He says that moment when all the heads pop out of the stables there and they're all looking over. He goes, if I saw that when I was a kid, I would have lost it. Yeah, I would have <laughs> loved that when I was a kid. Yeah. And, uh, and I, there, there's something about I've heard the Canto Bite sequence getting a lot of flack by people. Say, oh, it's unnecessary. It's this and that. But you know what? 
and, and this might be an unpopular thing to say, but when I watch this, I look at this sequence as being like something Steven Spielberg would have put in one of his movies, you know? It just sure. has that flavor. It has this this excitement to it. The way that Spielberg creates action sequences when the fathers burst out and they trample all the cops and the kid punches his hand up in the air and goes, wahoo! It's like, that feels like something out of a Spielberg film. It really does to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Yahoo's better than Yippee. <laughs> we'll take a Yahoo over Yippee any day. <laughs> and here they are, uh, these uh, incredible creatures that are used, and they're the source of uh, betting there for all of these fat cats here on Canto Bite. Yeah, stop enjoying this. That became sort of a meme for... Some of the folks who, uh, the fans that didn't like this movie, it was their meme for those of us who did. Stop enjoying this. Stop enjoying this. Now, there's a sequence here on uh, Canto Bite 2 when the Fathers are uh, trashing the uh, the place where, where they run through a spa. And a bunch of aliens are lying there and they're like in a big steam room and they're getting massages and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard about that, Jason? I mean, it was no. all it was all totally shot and everything. And no uh, kidding. And I'm they, sure we'll see that on the DVD. And you can see evidence scene. of this in the uh, art of book and the visual dictionary. They they show a big hut like creature laying on a, a big like a rock slab, uh, ready for a massage. And <laughs> oh boy, wow, that's cool. I'd like to see the hut. That'd been good. What are you seeing on your screen right now, Jason? Well, sure. we got the uh, the chase is still going on. They're going through the uh, the city streets. I remember when the the set photos leaked of this particular set that was a, a location shoot, and they did you know some pretty significant redressing of the uh, of the area. I thought, wow, so Ray and Luke are going to end up in a place like this. <laughs> you, know? you just don't know when that mm. stuff. It's happens, a, but, yeah, the uh, streets of Dubrovnik. Yes, Dubrovnik, right? I remember and, uh, covering when those yeah. photos leaked. I mean, it was just a public street, and they were putting Star Wars set dressing up during yeah. the day and shooting at night. And uh, they created this awesome father sequence. The, the sequence when uh, Rose and Finn are riding on the back of the father, and they, they go through the alley, and they get caught up in the light strands. Oh, yeah. Uh, that That's, again... It feels very Spielbergian to me. I, I really got a Steven Spielberg sort of vibe from all of this. And like I said, that might be an unpopular thing to say because I know the Canto Bite sequence has been heavily criticized by some fans. Uh, I don't share those criticisms. I, I see a lot of beauty in these sequences. I really do. And I like the fact that, I mean, essentially you can't just have Finn on an adventure by himself. He needs someone to play off of. He certainly can't play off Ray because she's on Octu. He he certainly can't play off Poe because Poe is, you know, back at the uh at the resistance, you know, doing resistance things and uh you have to create a character that he can interact with who could present a potential love interest if, if that's the direction they want to go in or just, you know, some great camaraderie. And there's awesome chemistry between these two characters. You can't just throw a character like Finn away after the events of The Force Awakens. Uh, he's one of the main. He's one of the big three. 
So you have to give him someone to play off of. It's just like Empire Strikes Back, where you have Luke going off on his own with R2 to study with Yoda on Dagobah. You split off Finn, and he has to have somebody. He has to have Mm -hmm. somebody. Yeah. Thus, the introduction of Rose. You can't just throw those characters away. And you don't want to have Finn just hanging out on the Resistance uh, ship uh, in this slow chase with the First Order. Hey, let's have more variety in the film. Let's For see sure. more of the universe. Let's introduce more aliens. Let's bring it all together. Make an epic out of this thing. Now, where are we at here with you, Jason? What are you seeing? Well, we've got uh, Luke here on Octu, and he's. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait a minute! Now we've just switched over to Leia. Okay, good. He's he, he's just reconnected himself. Yes. With the Force and reaching out to his sister, I think he's trying to connect with her to figure out. Well, he clearly does. Yeah. What? Right. But 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 what, what does she need from me? I, I'm I'm hearing it from this girl. I'm hearing it from Chewie. But I need to connect to Leia. He connects to Leia, and he finds out that. Uh, She's in a bad way. She's in a bad yeah. way. She's in bad shape. Now, here's... Oh, and here we are with buff Kylo Ren, something I'm really dreading seeing cosplayed yeah. at a convention. <laughs> you I, know it's going to happen. I'm going to be in Eric line. Pfeiffer, we're looking for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, my God. If, if, if he does it, I have no problem. I, I'm worried about some of the other specimens that are going to be out trying this, <laughs> and I think I'll probably be stuck in line standing next to him in Orlando when they're sweating like crazy. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Adam's diet is all over online right now about, okay, you too can look like uh, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. Well, have you heard Here's about the, the Kylo diet. Ren challenge that's been happening on uh, Instagram? I know. What's going on with that? Well, certain people are uh, doing... Sweaty boobs? The, they're doing the high waistband and the, the topless look. As a matter of fact, I mean, one of my favorite musicians is a guy named John Mayer. And uh, he did he did the Kylo Ren challenge. He did, look wow. it up. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> no kidding. It's hilarious. He's got a funky look on his face and everything. <laughs> he did the Kylo Ren with the, the high waist. Um, yeah, yeah, now here's here, Kylo. This is absolutely a scary look. <laughs> I mean, Mark Hamill really just looks scary and terrifying and possessed in this in this moment and i suspect the truth of this is somewhere in between the two of their their stories of course and that's the way it is naturally in life but when kylo looks back at that moment he sees a luke skywalker with that crazy look on his face coming down on him with that green blade that's what kylo remembers oh yeah even if that's not what really happened and I, I tend to believe Luke in this situation because he's been a hero of mine for 40-plus years. <laughs> and uh, I have more of a connection to him than Kylo Ren, and I'm more willing to believe Luke Skywalker. And I think that uh, it definitely is a moment where Luke is uh, contemplating it. But whether he actually pulls up and swings with the saber, I, I don't think so. I think he sees Kylo reach for the saber, and then Luke has to defend himself but this is a who shot first right well yeah i guess you know i mean there goes ray a lot of people talking how does she know how to swim she's from jakku it's a desert well i you know i'm i i think uh there's things you could take into account here like uh natural athletic ability when my kid was uh three years old i threw him into the pool and the kid started swimming right away it's a survival instinct that kicks in 
And Ray is definitely uh, a, a very athletic and capable uh, individual. And uh, she wasn't doing anything there merely than just splashing her arms around in the water, dog paddling back to the shore, which was three feet away. So now we're in the mirror cave, which is the sequel trilogy version of the dark cave on Dagobah filled with. uh... Now, Paul has speculated that uh, when he saw this, he was thinking, oh. She's a clone. That yeah, I was it. thinking that, too. Oh, my She's friend Barry Harmon from the unofficial Rebel Force Radio Facebook group says that Ray's snapping in this sequence has an oddly satisfying feel like popping bubble wrap. <laughs> something Boy, do I agree with that 100 <laughs> percent. There is something oddly satisfying about it. She knows that this wow. all comes to an end somewhere and at the end she'll find her answers. So she has to send her personality like dominoes falling up to the front. And she finds herself there, reaches out, and the thing that she desires the most is a reunion with her family. Her family who she's buried into her memory. I mean, she was only five years old. What do you remember when you were five years old? Everything. Oh, well, good for you, smarty pants. (laughs) Uh, so, Clearly, two figures merging into one here. Two and, figures uh, merging into one. And then she looks and she sees it's nothing but herself. Which, I mean, how do you interpret this, Jason? I think that we're supposed to interpret that the answers that she's looking for are within her. She knows the truth. She knows the truth and she's buried that truth. She has a repressed memory. Yeah. And she needs the force to bring it out of her. So right after she has this this epiphany, this cathartic moment, she who does she turn to? Who does she turn to? Does she turn to Kylo? That's what I was wondering. Was she able then to connect with him? Was she going? Oh my God! I got to get back to the hut, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to force time Kylo. And uh, does she have the ability to do that, or was it just some sort of random connection? And now Luke is fully connected to the force again and he's feeling everything oh yeah he's not asking questions anymore he knows what's going on and he's feeling tremors in the force he's reaching out knowing that there's something very ominous happening by the way i was this this hand touching moment for me i was reminded when i saw this about what something that irvin kirshner said about the kiss on the millennium falcon he said the kiss for Star Wars is the equivalent of of having sex. Yes. And and this touch what I see is the equivalent of a kiss. This is the equivalent of them kissing, I think. Now, again, you are the uh, president of the Raylo fan club. Yeah, oh yeah, we I'm all a total know this. shipper we here. We all know this. There they are. Shipping, you're shipping pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there is something stronger than. I mean, they're both they they both desire something, and I think much like the mall as well. I know what they desire. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's bigger than that. It's uh-huh. bigger than yeah. than. Just like a roll in the hay. This isn't sure, Anakin sure, Padme sure. here. Right. This right. is uh, this is uh, 
they're they're both they believe that they can find the answers for what they're searching searching for together, it, much like with the the Darth Maul, Ezra Bridger connection in Rebels that we saw. It was it was a desire for them to discover with their powers combined, because that's the only way they could find. Can it. I just say here in this moment, when everyone says, "Oh my gosh." Ray just bests Luke. She doesn't. She does not. She pulls a saber on him, and he's got a stick. Exactly. Exactly. What's he going to do? And the rest of the time, yeah. And the rest of the time, he's just he he's he's barely defending himself. He's not going to hurt her. If he really wanted to take her out, he would take her out. Absolutely. He just disarms her when she has the stick. When she's fighting him with the staff, he disarms her very easily. And he does it in such a cool way. Very easily. He now, smacks her is, on the head and he just kind of folds his hands and like, I didn't do here's that. The, <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the real truth. Yeah. This is, this is, this the, is the in-between. He's going to he, do it. He was no angel, but he was also no devil. He was right there in the middle. He wasn't black. He was white. He was gray. But it was too late. It was too late. He's been yep. exposed. Mm-hmm. And, and Kyle uh, Ben, so he's not going to talk. There's no time for conversation. No. Sabers connect. I was speculating that Kylo was using Anakin's saber at that moment. Mm. But but the, the hilt has been identified, and you could see it very briefly in that moment when he grabs it, that it, it clearly resembles the saber he currently uses as Kylo Wait, Ren. How would it have been Anakin's? Well... You never know. It could have been, you know, recovered and returned to Luke, and then Luke passed it on to Ben Solo when he decided to train him. You then know, it gets it, to Maz. How does it get to Maz? Uh, it could have been um, something that was uh, recovered. Yeah, but I mean, it's irrelevant right now because that's not how Maz uh, received the saber. We don't know, obviously. Now, what's that's motivating it. Ray here? I'll tell you what, if J.J. Abrams does episode nine and some of these answers don't get uh, revealed, <laughs> uh, some of these questions don't get answered, uh, you know, well, especially JJ, about how Maz ended up with the saber. That's, look, yeah. we, we, we know J.J. is a master of asking questions, not always the best at answering them. Um, but there we, goes the Falcon. Yeah, we now, talk Ray's about why Leia didn't hug Chewie. I mean, I want to know why Chewie didn't say goodbye to Luke. We don't know that didn't happen. I, I guess we can assume that that didn't happen. But yeah, here we go. Now this is this is the moment. I think this is the the heart of this film. This is. I, I remember when we saw this on opening night when they show that silhouette of Yoda, the back of his head with the years. I just it almost felt like a slow motion moment in time. Whereas, like, there it is, it's happening, there it is. And we've known about Yoda being in this film. Ryan Johnson revealed it in an interview two years ago. He really did. Um, so it was no surprise that Yoda ended up in this film. Right. And the rumors of Frank Oz on set and all of that, yeah. that was in uh, Frank Oz at the premiere. Well, I think when Frank Oz said... Uh, he was he was confronted uh, by a reporter, and they asked him, "Is Yoda going to be in the film?" And he said, "Listen, I'm, I can't talk about it. Uh, huh. uh, there's nothing to talk about, but I will talk about it when the time is right." And it's like talk, it. <laughs> you keep saying it. It's mm-hmm. obviously happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was one of the loosest kept secrets. But still, very gratifying when it actually happened. Um, 
Now, Jason, you've you've expressed some uh, concerns about the aesthetic look of Yoda in this. You know, I have, but I got to tell you that um, upon multiple viewings, I I I don't even. I, it's hard for me to even see the imperfections now, and I'm not and, and I'm not trying to be. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to romanticize it. I, I, I really can't see. I mean, that scene right there when he turns around. I mean, mm-hmm. that is right out of Empire. And sure Jedi. Is. I mean, this is just. Uh, th- this gets it so close to that, and it makes sense because Luke didn't know him as the, you know, slightly spryer uh, prequel era Yoda. He knew him as the decrepit, old, cranky, half crazy wizard that he is absolutely absolutely and i love how like a lot of real mark hamill comes out in this moment too the sacred jedi texts you know you see so mark hamill at that moment it's like (laughs) taken right off of the stage at star wars uh conventions anywhere you know (laughs) for sure but uh, just this moment of like they're the reality it's and and, you know it's a great moment having the two of them reunite but what's going on with luke's head right now he's just like God, I'm always looking to the future. I got to really just keep myself in the present just for once here. I, I got to quit looking ahead. I got to I gotta yeah. keep put my feet on the ground and do what I need to do now. But in this case, you know, you know, before when Luke was looking ahead, he was looking at uh, to adventure, to excitement, as Yoda said. Now he's looking towards death yeah. and extermination. And ending... An ending, right? An ending, ending not only what his life and scene, his accomplishments. The two of them here, yeah. you know, the, the back. So nice. the, um, I, I just, uh, I, I, you know, this scene for some fans I know uh, fell relatively flat. I, I just don't see it. I, I, oh, I think it no. is just so beautifully done, and it's so fulfilling, and everything we really wanted to see. And Yoda's last line there about. You know, our our, you know, for 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 leaders, for teachers, we are what they outgrow. We are what they move on to become. Here's some great Benicio moments here. He really starts uh, <laughs> sowing the seeds of doubt into mm. these guys' heads. You know, he's like, "Yeah, I'll do it, but you gotta pay me, fool." And. Uh, Oh, by the way, I'm a big fan of this ship that they stole, the the Libertine. Oh. It's called mm-hmm. the Libertine, and it's a really cool ship. And uh, quickly becoming one of my uh, favorites in Star Wars because it gives you a perspective on when Luke says, upon seeing the Falcon for the first time, what a piece of junk. Well, uh-huh. here, here we're seeing what a really sweet-looking ship looks like, and you can understand where Luke's coming from. Because this thing that they're flying around in is uh, something that's considered a status symbol. Uh, you know, it's it's what uh, the, the the richie one percenters want on uh, Cantonica. And, uh, you know, it, it's vastly different from the Falcon. This is like luxurious compared to the Falcon. And, and the difference is obvious. Good guys, bad guys. I love Benicio in this yeah. scene. I just really do. He's just such a now. He's the real rebel here. You know, he's oh, absolutely. He's not going to pledge allegiance to anyone. No, and, no. In and fact, he's, uh, DJ, don't join. Right? Yeah, right. And uh, and you see either why. way. 
You see why? Because he looks at these guys and they're like, they, they pledge no allegiance and they're rich and rolling in it. Why should I pledge allegiance to anything? I'll tell you what, I'm not even going to be a part of this stuff. I'm just going to steal from the rich and take care of myself. Don't join. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, uh, whoever owned this ship, he's got those sleepy eyes. <laughs> he got those sleepy eyes. Oh, Benicio? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a trademark. Mm-hmm. A trademark going all the way back to his uh, one of his uh, early film performances in uh, James Bond, License to Kill, where he played. Uh, what was the character Benicio played in? That I can't film? remember the name, but I know he gets uh, in the wood chipper there. The uh, yeah, he gets. It's a quality kill for Benicio in that film. <laughs> uh, do you think? Um, We'll see Benicio again. I'm trying not to, you know, jump too far ahead, but uh, do you think there could be room for him in episode nine? I, I think a lot of it depends on the. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of it depends on the fan reaction. If the fan reaction is positive. That's oh yeah, something that they they may bring him back. Good guy. I think I, I think he's more guys. likely to show up. He some could. sort of animated series rather than a <laughs> nine, you know. I, I, for some reason, he jumps out at me as a sort of the Hondo Anaka of the yeah. DJ's trilogy era. DJ Saturday Morning Fun Club. <laughs> okay, but really we'll... loses it here. I mean, this is when he realizes that he, in his mind, that her master plan is is retreat and he thinks that she is deliberately putting you know the, the the lives of the resistance fighters at risk by putting them in these you know these 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 escape pods essentially that have no defenses they have no shields they have no weapons right and he thinks they're just going to be sitting ducks out there and that's what she's wanted by design and i confess as an audience member, the first time, I thought that's what was going down. Right there, we saw the Jedi books. Hey, um, something I want to point oh, yeah. out, too, is uh, a lot of people are wondering, how did DJ get that information to uh, use to get himself out of the jam with the First Order as, as it unfolds later in the film? But uh, as you see, he was sitting in the cockpit as Rose and Finn were communicating with Poe, when Poe basically spits it out, he says they're, they're, they're fueling up the transports. So that's how DJ knows. Hey, you know, uh, you're shooting at their, 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 their big ship there, but uh, you should be looking on the side there because they're, they're putting about a bunch of little transports out there. That's what tips them off. A lot of people are like, how did DJ know? I think FJ mentioned that on uh, one of our review shows that uh, DJ sold them out with information that he didn't really get. But you see... It's, it's, pre- it's pretty clear. The, he, it's it's he clear. over here is the communication. But there, it's so. easy to let that go by you. Yes, it it's is. It's easy to let that go by you. And I did want to point out also is one of my favorite shots in the entire film is when the Falcon comes out of hyperspace for about three seconds to drop off Ray in the escape pod and then jumps back into hyperspace. I love that shot. Oh, yeah. I think that's just such a great shot. Oh, yeah. Because the Empire has maybe about six seconds before they realize, or the First Order realize, realizes what's going on. You know? By the way, it's clear that binder uh, technology has not changed in the last uh, 30, uh, 35 years. Uh, going <laughs> right, back yeah. to Chewie being 
you know, and the 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 binders there on the Death Star, then Han the binders there on on uh, Cloud City, yeah. and then Luke the binders on Death Star Two. We actually picked up uh, toy replicas of those binders last time we were at uh, Downtown Disney in Orlando. I got. Oh, do they have replicas yeah, of those? I got oh. them up in the collection. Oh my goodness. Here's a little mutiny going on. Yeah, here. yeah. Here we get the mutiny, and I, I loved how it was pulled off, and I, I love how we see who's on Poe's side and who isn't. You know, he spins around and who's standing there with him. Uh, the Abinetto, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, and uh, where's where Snap Wexley? Has anyone figured out where old Snap is? Where's Greg Grumberg? Somebody uh, check the snack bar. Wait, I thought he. <laughs> There's a couple that resemble that remark, but I I thought that he um, he perished, didn't he? No His character. No, no, no. no. He survives. Okay. Probably being saved for Ep uh, Nine because J.J. Abrams is. Uh, I, I guess he grew up down the street from Greg Grunberg, and they've been pals since boyhood, and so J.J. puts him in all the films. Man, it's bad luck not to. You know, yeah, we did see the the Hardware Wars tribute there. <laughs> uh, which is, uh, you know, Hardware Wars, one of the original Star Wars fan films. BB-9E coming up here uh, gets his moment of glory. Which is, yeah, you uh, know, I expected BB-9E to have a much larger role in this film, you know, given that, you know, they they uh, put him out there as sort of the... Well, he's there. I mean, that's, it's good oh, enough. He, there, he gets right? his moment. He gets his moment. What I think is really stupid is the idea of putting a garbage can over BB-8 to make him look like a, a mouse droid. I, what the hell kind of idea is that? Of course, they're going to stick out like sore thumbs. And my other question is, why did they need BB-8 with them in the first place? Uh, he had nothing to do with the mission. They had DJ who was going to break the codes. They had Rose who was going to go and deprogram or destabilize that hyperspace tracking thing. And... Uh, and Finn was there just because he was running the mission. They didn't need BB-8 with them. They should have just left him back on the ship or dropped him off somewhere, well, whatever. You know, I mean, you know, look, uh, can always use a little backup. can always use a little help. Great moment here with uh, oh, yeah. Daisy and Adam. I mean, really, the chemistry between these two actors coming through so strong. Yeah, oh, um, sure. And really, uh, for a Raylo guy like yourself, Jason, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's a tender moment between the two of them where she's really that is? saying, I, I, I want to help you, man. I, mm-hmm. I want to. Uh, well, and he has a very similar moment later when he, he says, you know, you're nothing. You don't belong in the story. You're a, you're a nobody, but not to me. It's during well, those moments, there. during those moments when they connected, a, a lot of people are like, how does Kylo Ren have any sort of insight as to whose Ray's parents are? Well, what we've, I think we've learned is that Ray has buried the truth deep within her. I mean, it's a repressed memory. She can't even recall, right. you know, I mean, at this point, it takes the connection with Kylo when they have that moment where they physically touch each other and they're being connected with the force. At that moment, that's when Ray sees the good in Ben Solo still existing within Kylo Ren. Kylo, on the other side of the coin, sees Ray's the truth about Ray's parents. That's how they make that connection. That's how Kylo has that information. They're tapping into the these things that their desires. They're you know what each other desires the most. Kylo desires. He really desires peace. He desires an end to the turmoil. Uh-huh. But he's twisted by the dark side and going, of course, going about 
bringing peace in the wrong way, much like Palpatine, much like Darth Vader. But with Rey, I mean, her her thing is much more personal. Her turmoil is 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 very individualized in all within herself, where she is trying to find her parents. Nice little action sequence here. Oh yeah, Asti and Asti, who's by the way the only Star Wars alien you see anymore. The Abinetto. I don't think he, the, he, Elo Asti. I don't think. I think he got smoked in the the Battle of Sky, their Star Killer base. This is a new character that looks just like him, because mm-hmm. Neil Scan, Scanlan, the the creature guy, just loves this Abinetto. <laughs> character, which I've said before, is a turd of a character. Bring back Greedo. Bring back Size Noodles. Bring back the Bith. Bring back the Bith, Jason. How about a Hammerhead? How about a Reyes? A Walrus Man? <laughs> a Snaggletooth? This guy kind of reminds me. You see him so briefly. He's, he's dressed in the white oh, imperial sure. tunic, uh, similar to what we saw Krennic in. Director Krennic. No cape, though. No cape, though. BB-90, he gets a nice little close-up. Oh, okay, a little close-up. But, uh, you know, my God, they made like a $150 toy of him. You know, <laughs> something to do. Here comes uh, Captain Lema. I mean, Captain Phasma. Sorry. I like Phasma. I, I couldn't make it through that book, though, that Phasma novel. I'm sorry. No, I, just... I don't want to be able to make that through that either. But I, Captain Phasma <laughs> just has a, you know... A lot of bites. Oh, here we go. She's going to open that can. Back in the day, we could really look forward to a uh, medical garment uh, Princess Leia with blaster figure. And uh, <laughs> nowadays, we just we don't even have a holdo. I mean, <laughs> they're major characters. Oh, no. That, wait, get in line for that. Get in line. Well, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I, I suppose it, it, it might, but uh, it should. I think it's going to take a while but a, but a, but a significant character they don't rock the action figures like they used to you just no. get, you get a handful of the basics the main guys and a, a, a few uh, ancillary characters and then that's about it they've moved on to the next movie you know but I, I can't believe i still don't have a Bodie rook action figure from rogue one yeah has, has anybody seen that i'm sure people listening have seen <laughs> that if you can tell me where i could find one let me know Tender moment here between uh, Leia and Haldo, and this is when Haldo lets Leia know that it is indeed her intention to uh, commit suicide. Laura Dern absolutely killing it lately with her career, Uh, you know, uh, recent runs in uh, TV shows like uh, The Return of Twin Peaks. I mean, she's just been everywhere lately. She won Mm. the Golden Globe. Uh, for her uh, role in uh, whatever she's in. She's not in Star Wars, so I don't... She didn't win the Globe for that, but uh, she certainly won it for uh, something this past weekend. Laura Dern. She's fantastic the shape of actress. water or whatever that is. She won a, a Best Supporting... She won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress in Big Little Lies. Ah. Uh, you know, Little we were Lies. so conf- you know obsessed with the idea that the Last Jedi Episode Eight was going to be modeled after The Empire Strikes Back, but this is uh, this whole you know from the elevator just a few moments ago to this confrontation. This is all out of Return of the Jedi. This is the equivalent of the Last Temptation of Darth Vader. 
And the way that they've got, uh, you know, as we said before, Andy's performance, Andy Circus's performance is incredible, so believable. The CGI work, as you mentioned as well, just fantastic. Wonderful. I mean, this is a, a really uh, one of those moments that uh, probably would make any Star Wars fans top ten lists of great moments in the saga. The final confrontation of uh, Snoke and Ray and Kylo and the fireworks that follow. It's just mm. and the tension that builds throughout this scene and. And which which turns into the ultimate certain point of view moment where Snoke is giving you play by play of what Kylo's thinking without realizing that he is going to be the intended uh, receptor of Kylo's rage. Uh, Boy, oh boy. (laughs) Just what what a bait and switch. I mean, beautiful moment. Does Snoke, is he just alive in these films? Yeah, he really is. He really is. And there's another. That's a good example of a shot of uh, Adam looking. Oh, there, there we go. There's the other uh, abrupt wake up. There's Poe. So we're up to what four? I, I think so. I think so. Four. Uh, yeah. It's like, where's the Dunkin' Donuts coffee? <laughs> that's how I am when I get abruptly woken up. Usually, I just start cursing out anyone who's near me. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, get up for work. And this is, of course, Poe realizing that it's not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. Not necessarily the type of plan you'd associate with a, a, a big hotshot hero, but a plan that if you use your head and the resources. But why couldn't Poe have known this earlier? I mean, he's such a player. He has a close connection to Leia, who's running the whole thing. Uh, he can be trusted. It's not like he's going to run off and tell the First Order. You know, there's well, no, there was no Leia security. did. Wait a minute, did, Leia did suffer an injury before she had an opportunity to tell him. Yes, but I'm talking about the relationship he has with Haldo. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the fear of filling him in on it? it you know, you're going to play, uh, you know, rank. You're going to you're going to pull that card out when yeah. when the resistance is down to a handful of people and you're running for your lives and you need to work together. Everyone should have been on board with what was going on. Everyone. There was no need yeah. for secrecy at that moment. This isn't a big government. It's not a big military machine. It's a handful of resistance fighters. They needed to work together. But she yeah. was but but Haldo was too busy pulling rank and authority. Yeah. And 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 seeing the hot shots out there. And feeling threatened by it. Which she should have because I mean the whole bomber thing turned out to be an absolute disaster. Uh, despite the fact that they destroyed the Dreadnought. It, it still mm. was a very short-term kind of victory and does nothing to help them in the long term. It actually crippled them. Uh, so, But I get it. I get it. But mm-hmm. still, you got to work together in this situation when each other is all you got. You know, so That's, oh, sure. that's when I, I, I say military ranking and, and traditional uh, pecking order needs to be put aside. Yeah. So I, I, I uh, surmise uh, and sum up Haldo is being, uh, um, I, I sum it up as her being in the wrong, even though I, I see where she's coming from. But uh, 
you got to open up uh, the trust a little bit more when you're in such a dire sure. situation. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't lead uh, from that from that position, as you say, mm-hmm. where it's all a big secret and you're not going to let anybody know. And especially someone who's as vulnerable at that point as she should know. This is just such a brilliant moment here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They just, Even with the gold robes and the gold slippers. By the way, great shot of the gold slippers in the Ultimate Visual Dictionary. <laughs> yeah, really. Get to see them. One that, says Lib, the other says Arachi. That's so. <laughs> in in Arabesh, of course. <laughs> of course, Lib, Arachi. The <laughs> borderline dad joke, right there, Daddy. Eh, a little bit, a little right. bit. I mean, this is look. Is this Luke Skywalker? Your fleet is lost. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, apparently those attendants with the glowing eyes, their job is to sort of maintain that oracle machine. Uh-huh. According to the visual guy. But oddly enough, they're absent in this moment here. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. He's thinking. He's thinking. And the whole time we're thinking... He's thinking. Yeah, right. Well, that that's the the brilliance of it. Until the saber starts turning, then as an audience, we can start putting two and two together. And but we still don't know. I mean, who's responsible for that use of the force? I I thought as as the saber began to turn there on the arm of his throne, I thought, oh, is this Ray doing this? Is she mm-hmm. manipulating the saber? But there's something really gratifying knowing that it is Kylo. And I don't know if it's the emergence of Ben Solo for a brief moment of time or if it's still just Kylo Ren following through his order. What Kylo says when he says destroy the past, kill it if you have to and all that, he's not just talking about Han Solo and and his Jedi past. He's, he's talking about everything. He literally is. He means that he wants to wipe everything out and, and make a clean slate where he can determine exactly the pace and vibe of the galaxy. Snoke sure. is Snoke is nothing more than a tool to him. Yeah, I, I feel like you know Snoke is as great of a design as he is, as it, ooh, as interesting as he is. He he's just he's made to be a villain kind of villain. Kylo lets Ray take the saber at this moment. Oh yeah, and you think they're going to square off, but he he's again like he used Snoke. He uses Ray. To his advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wants Ray to have the saber because he he knows he's not going to be able to take on eight Praetorian guards by himself. He yep. needs her help. A little slow motion uh, moment there to kind of kick the, the battle off. Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most visually satisfying duels you see in Star Wars is this moment at the, uh, the throne room with him. Cut back to DJ, mm-hmm. accepting his deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Complete in don't. uniform. <laughs> Live free, don't join. Yep. And then Finn, one last attempt to change his mind. No. Or whatever he's doing. He's like, yeah, no, I'm good. I got lots of money now. 
And I love how the Praetorian Guard uses his armor to sort of, you know, help him manipulate his oh, weapon. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, he uses yeah. the, the sleeve of his armor. We see that thing. It's a big red curtain, apparently. I didn't know what that was all about. It's a backdrop. Yeah. And then that burns away, and you see there's a window. It's kind of like, I'd be like, hey, open up the curtains. You know, was, well, he's got his little, oh, oh, an underrated moment there. Uh, what a quality kill when the Praetorian oh, Guard sure. falls into that oscillator or whatever it is and gets sliced up. Oh, that's it. that is something that it's it's one of those little moments in this film that uh, every time I see it, I just I just love it. You know, the little moments. I have a list of little moments yeah. in this film that I just adore, and that's one of them. What a quality kill! Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, these guys. Uh, you know, I, I thought they looked cool, but you know, without the context, you don't really know how. Mm-hmm. You know, really what they're about, and uh, they do now have a place of honor in my collection. Sure. They're fantastic, Praetorian guards. Oh, they're so great. And it's just the the dueling, the martial artistry, the and the cleverness. She drops oh, the sure. saber and uh, defeats him. And then look at it, another quality kill there. Saber right to the forehead. Oh, yeah. Now, of course, she's got to save. She's got to save Kylo. Well, that's her goal, isn't it? And it's yeah. much like Luke trying to turn Vader back. Uh, again, uh, leaving against the uh, will of the master, uh, you know, is the apprentice running away to join mm. a battle that the master doesn't believe should be fought. Uh, and, uh, you know, she goes off into it and uh, tries to... Redeem the unredeemable tries yeah. to pull back Ben. And I can't help but think that this scene has potential for episode nine. The, the, a storyline in episode nine is being birthed right here. And I really believe I, I think that there's potential for this whole series to end with Kylo succeeding. In wiping out everything and bringing in a new order, like a, a, a one that's based in passion and yeah, and and well, positivity and compassion and but this is this is the moment that I mean this is right this is right out of Padme and Anakin here this for is, sure yeah. you know this is you're going down a path I cannot follow you know, she's but but the way. Daisy Ridley portrays this. It, it, you just get this sense of almost like, no, 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 not you. You're the only one who understands me. You're the only one who could possibly come with me on this crazy, wacky journey that I have. And maybe together we'll find the answers we're both looking for. But Something Ryan Johnson was able to succeed where George Lucas was not so effective is bringing out the emotion in the actor's eyes. You see a lot of shots in here where you see Daisy. She has her eyes are watered up and and glassy, but she's not like weeping, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and you see it with Luke at the end in the Battle of Crate. He's just you feel the emotion just oozing off of these actors and. You know, uh, I would have liked to have seen a little more glassy-eyed stuff going on between Anakin and Padme, quite honestly. 
and I didn't feel it. I just didn't feel it. You get it a little bit in the mm-hmm. scene that you reference sure. on Mustafar where she, you know, you're taking a path I cannot follow. It. You, you get that from Natalie. But I don't think Natalie's acting chops in the prequels are anywhere close to what Daisy pulls off in this no. film. No. Not anywhere I, close. No, no. Different, different planets. So, yeah, yeah. I mean... She reaches out. Yep. This is it. You think, you think. Well, I love the line of, you know, about the parents and, you know, you don't, when he says, you don't belong in the story, they're nothing, you're nothing, but not to me. Now, the struggle for the saber here. Mm hmm. And it's, it's symbolic in many ways. But we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Boy, that guy really kicks Rose down hard, that trooper. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> he, he really does. God, he just... And the head snaps back and everything. <laughs> Execution Trooper, which is a big popular exclusive on Amazon.com. The, uh, I have that the, was an Amazon exclusive. I have the, the three and three quarter inch that I picked up at Walmart. Yeah, I just picked that up. Yeah, that's right. That was the Walmart exclusive. And uh, I believe it was Amazon that had the... Uh, the six inch on the black series. It's a tremendous moment here. It really is. This is this is historic in the annals of the Star Wars saga. Uh, they realize what's going to happen. Realize too late. Boy, I didn't realize the cross cutting between Kylo and Ray, and then back on the bridge with Haldo, and then back to Phasma. And I mean, look at how this is all just coming together. This is so beautifully edited. I, it's unbelievable how it's all coming together like this. The saber splits in half, blinding flash of light. Haldo flies in hyperspace speed into Snoke's Star Destroyer. <laughs> blinding oh. flash of light. Silence. And of course, AMC movie theaters had to put a sign up outside of some of their uh, auditoriums <laughs> That's there. That's right. a. At, at exactly one hour and 52 minutes into the film, there'll be a moment of silence that lasts for about six seconds. Please do not, not come out asking us yeah. for a refund, and don't start shouting in the theater, Sound! Sound! <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction from some of the yeah. ignoramuses in the audience. I think in our uh, initial screening, we all saw that for the incredibly beautiful moment it was, and... In, in so many levels, visually, sound design, acting, cross-cutting, editing, special effects. Oh, it all just comes together so brilliantly in this film. Oh, and yeah. here comes Phasma. Finally, the moment that everyone wanted to see in uh, The Force Awakens, when uh, that traitor moment, mm. a lot of people said, well, it should have been Phasma there fighting with Finn. They have a, they have a background together. They, there's more animosity between the two of them. There's more reason to care. Well, Ryan Johnson makes up for that in uh, this film here. BB uh, pulling a Chewbacca here. Maybe so Chewie he... gave BB the idea at some point. Hey, you know what? If you're ever on a on a base and you see uh, you got access to an ATST, here's what you do. I was just like, how the how is that ATST become a convertible so suddenly? How does he lower the top on that thing? But then uh, on subsequent viewings, I noticed that that uh, Scout Walker must have been going through some sort of maintenance because it has a bunch of hoses and tubes plugged into it. So when it moves forward, it's still plugged in, and that yanks the head off of it, exposing BBA. 
So, right. Right. You want to Gwendolyn know. Christie, I believe this is all Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, this is all her. This is all her. If yeah. you have ever watched any of her fight choreography in Game of Thrones, you'll recognize that right away. Plus, I mean, who else are you going to find? You're not going to find a six foot three stunt person that fits the armor like she does. I mean, she's she's very schooled mm. in uh, in uh, stage fighting. Brutal hit by uh, Finn there, right on the face, and you see this. Very chilling. One eyeball exposed shot. Finn refers to himself as rebel scum, making a lot of people at our old house very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for sure. Some of that, you know, some of the that moment and a few others where there's humor, you know, fell flat. But, you know, after watching the original trilogy... Just a little bit, of, you know, a little bit ago, it's it, it's the same thing, the same thing. There's modern humor in the uh, in the original films. Oh, certainly so. We're, we're we're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Notice Snoke's hand stays on the armrest. <laughs> Just see yeah. Now you hear, see, Kylo was overwhelmed by what happened with the blinding flash of light with Luke Saber. We saw it split in half, but did he see it split in half? He got knocked out cold. Where's Ray? Ray survived that. Did Ray? Yeah, she well, she woke up first. You know that happens in my. House. Did she I wake up? up? Yeah, I, I of course, of course. But did she even get knocked out at all? She had enough time to steal Snoke's well, personal shuttle, which is something we don't see. Maybe that could be a deleted scene that shows up on the disc. And also something to be noted is that Hux does pull back his coat as he reaches for his blaster. He's going to shoot Kylo Ren in his sleep. Oh, boy. But Kylo is, it's too late for that now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now he's just. We have no ruler. (laughs) Now, what does he say here? He He says, we have no ruler. And then Kylo says, the supreme ruler is dead or supreme leader is dead. And then what does. Snoke's or uh, it's a it's a weird I gotta tell you it's a weird delivery yeah by Adam Driver there because what he really you know if I was giving him a line reading I would say to to Hux the supreme leader is dead like what are you saying no I'm the supreme leader but he says the supreme leader is dead and then Hux responds with long long live the supreme leader he does say long live I would have said something like. no, the supreme leader isn't dead. Yeah, right. Now you talk about it exactly. <laughs> you talk about a uh, crazy uh, landing here. I, I mean, imagine you're you're fit in rows and you've got to enter this top secret base in a first order ship. They just love. I love Leia with Leia's the, with got the, the uh, blaster. Yeah, gun. yeah, she got the. She, oh, look at that! Thing. Yeah, she's ready to take. Yeah. But what I don't understand is why. I mean, they know that the first order is going to come after them. Uh, why do they have that big door open in the first place? And why would they put their most important uh, commander there in front of it? You know, <laughs> they're coming. Well, couldn't somebody else notice it? Couldn't he if you had the garage well, door closed? You know, I think they needed the force there to determine. Uh, how soon everybody would be. You sank my battleship. Sorry, yeah. It just looked like they were playing battleship. Eh, you know, I, 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 I kind of see it, but yeah. It, it made for a very dramatic 
an iconic moment right there. Yeah, why ask why if what we're seeing kicks ass? <laughs> you know, why yeah. ask why? Yeah. There's a lot of asking why going on here. I like uh, Finn in the background. He's he's wearing that Imperial officer's uh, <laughs> jacket, but it's open, yeah. so he looks kind of like uh, Bespin Han a little. A little bit, yeah. yeah and of, of, course, of course, Poe definitely has the uh, Empire Strikes Back Han Solo wardrobe down to the shirt pretty much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just. Just ask FJ. He knows all about uh, He's a big Poe fan. FJ, yeah, he sleeps with a framed photo of <laughs> Oscar Isaac under his pillow. I'm sure he's not happy with me revealing that, but it's true. Uh, someone else that doesn't get a whole lot to do in this film, uh, C-3PO, he does have a couple of uh, moments where he shines. Yeah. And I, I confess not having him, um, you know, Throughout the whole movie, uh, it, it it did grow on me a little bit, and but at the same time, I do think that at the end of the day, it is R two and three PO's story to tell, and that was always the George Lucas way. But that is not necessarily the case anymore. Got Ryan Johnson's, or yeah, Ryan Johnson's big sneak peek coming up here in just a moment. No, you mean uh, oh, Gareth, sorry, Gareth, Gareth Edwards. Edwards. Yes. There he is. There he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, there to the left of Salty Salt Salt. That's the name of that character, Salty Salt Salt. Hmm. Salty Salt Salt. I like that. It's easy to remember them. Here's the old rickety ski speeders. Uh, they've been uh, sitting around collecting dust for the last couple of decades. And uh, so people are looking at this and going, oh, my God. Finn is flying. How does how does he all of a sudden know how to fly? He needed a pilot. Remember, he needed a pilot. Of course, right. But you have to understand, this is not necessarily uh, starship piloting going on here. This is general speeder flying. You you need to be able to fight fly a speeder to handle this ski speeder. So uh, Finn is uh, heavily trained in uh, and well trained in speeder operation. According yes. to the visual guide. So he's not really piloting per se. I mean, this isn't flying. This is like uh, driving a land speeder or something, you know, it's a similar technology to that. So now Rose on the other side of the coin uh, is revealed to actually have piloting skills. And uh, there's a novel out right now sure. called Cobalt Squadron, which actually uh, tells the story of a. Uh, Rose and her sister Paige a little bit prior to the events of this film. Beautiful shots with the walkers and Kylo's ship hovering over ahead is the command station. It's just mm. chilling. I mean, the whole the way it's shot is just so beautiful. Um, me and Paul have kind of agreed that we would have liked to have seen a little more of that classic Star Wars battle choreography. You know, mm. actually mm. having the ski speeders meet up with the walkers and have a similar battle sequence mm. like we see at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. I, I feel a little longing in that regard, but uh, once you introduce TIE fighters into the action, it really does kind of, uh, number one, make you wonder why didn't they fly TIE fighters into uh, the Hoth base? <laughs> they had a shield, right? Now there's right. a shield protecting this base as well. So uh, I don't understand how so many ships are able to fly. I guess it's the trajectory of the ship is they come in low, uh, but then what do you need the walkers for? I mean, let's really consider all of this, guys. <laughs> I mean, we got a bunch of guys working overtime here. It's the weekend. Uh, we have to t pay them time and a half. Uh, do we really need all the walkers when we have TIE fighters? 
But you know what? It's a movie, and everything is just opening the door for another cool thing to happen. And the cool thing that happens here is the Falcon comes into action in one of my favorite sequences in the film. Again, one of those, uh, what I consider to be a rather small moment, but a great moment is uh, as uh, the Falcon enters into the the fray, we we see uh, Ray taking a seat at the uh, mm-hmm. at the uh, gunner station, uh, following that strong tradition established in the original trilogy, A New Hope, and then of course followed up in. And it was a thrill to see the gunner station return in the Force Awakens. Now Chewie is brilliant. You know, Ray sets up. He's like, hey, we got to get those Tie Fighters away from the speeder, so they do that. But here's one of those great little moments. They go in, and then the classic John Williams music, the TIE Fighter attack from mm. the uh, A New Hope. Once they escape the Death Star and the Falcon, Luke and Han in those same gunner seats, blasting away TIE Fighters with <laughs> that classic music playing. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I just When I saw this in the theaters, I wanted to just stand up and pump my fist into the air. I was so excited. Uh, the action is beautiful. Poor little slapsticky and funny, but it's okay. It's uh, it's all right to have a little uh, levity of all the tense moments happening here, and then the Falcon going up, taking everyone with him. So, oh, so great! I always wonder why it's open cockpit like that on these things. Yeah, you know, couldn't find a speeder that I liked. Uh, you know, with the open cockpit and. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's their their big gun. This is Death Star miniaturized Death Star technology here, which uh, I still I, I thought it was like a tractor beam, and they were pulling mm-hmm. the door off. I mean, wouldn't tractor technology work that way, where you could actually use it to pull something? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you pull the ship toward the 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 Death Star. Um, could could they use that same technology to like rip a door off? Uh, sure, right, uh, right, right. So I think that's what. What, what was going on here, but uh, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Hmm. And, you know, there was some discussion about this uh, because it, again, being the second, the middle part, like, okay, here, this is this is the Battle of Hoth. This is Hoth for, the, for 2018, 2017. And uh, there was some disappointment that it didn't rage on like, like Hoth did. And uh, actually, I think it's a great change of pace, personally. I mean, they're just they're just rushing at high speed toward the walkers, but they and they never meet the walkers. They're right, exactly. They don't, and I I think that it's good that this still continues to carve its own identity out, and it's not a a carbon copy of any one thing or anyone else's story. Um, I don't like seeing the same things repeated over and over again. A lot of people were complaining, why didn't Luke use the Force to raise his X-Wing out of the waters at Octu and use that to fly back into action? I was so expecting that. It's like you were expecting to see something you already saw. Mm-hmm. We already yeah. saw Yoda do that. We saw right. Luke fail at doing that. Now all of a sudden yeah. Luke knows how to do it. No. it's uh, Repetition is not a good thing. No, it's not just always. Not. Uh, you, you have to know exactly how to use it. I mean, George was quite good at it. Now, here's another moment when sacrifice comes up. I mean, now Rose kind of robs him of that opportunity to be compassionate. And well, you know what? Sacrifice. It's such a knee-jerk reaction, though. I mean, would, would that have done anything? 
You know, would that have stopped them from continuing their assault? He takes out their big gun, but there's still all those walkers out there and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what good would that do? That, 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 I that's weird, like when he when he runs when he runs to Rose's ship. It's like why wouldn't they take him out? Pew 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 pew. <laughs> he just turns to a pillar of salt. Well, we did. You know, I I I, I was going to say, well, they're concentrating on that big door there at the base. But you know, if you look back at Empire Strikes Back, there's that one moment before General Veers has his AT-AT fire on the uh, mm. the field generator. Right mm-hmm. before they do that, they just take a pot shot at a rebel who's running for his life, and they just blast him down, and then they shoot the the generator. Watch Empire Strikes Back next time. Mm. Right okay. before they blast the field generator, they just take one last shot at a dude running for his life <laughs> just, they blast him and then they blow up the shield generator uh. here's here here we go yeah see nobody's hearing the call uh a lot of people are like oh well lando should have shown up with a bunch of cloud cars to save the day or whatever but i mean that's not the point what, what the point is here the first order has completely dominated the galaxy people who want to help can't there's no hope left anymore they can't rally the forces anymore everyone is under strict oppression by the first order and uh that's why no one can answer the call here's that moment oh yes luke walks oh yes you know the silhouette reminds me of Luke stepping through uh, the big, ginormous now door yeah. of Jabba's palace with yeah. the hood up, meaning total business. Yeah, and it's a different Luke than we knew before. As oh, he sure. makes it, and here we are being presented with yet another different Luke. Yes, who's the Luke we met at the beginning of this film? The Luke that bears the burden. Of the history that's preceded him, of his own legacy, of his mm-hmm. own of his own self confidence. Yeah. Well, he it, talks earlier in the film about, you know, I was uh, I was the legend because I was a legend. I I was blind to this because I was a legend. I was Luke Skywalker, and he's finally able to apologize to Leia for taking the responsibility of her her son and. Mm-hmm. And just letting that slide right through his fingers. I mean, the tremendous guilt he felt. He's finally able to find some sort of relief in being able to confront her and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I took your only son and mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what I wanted to have happen, happen. Strong yeah. moment. So she looks at him, he looks at her, and he like, she realizes that he's here, but he's not really here. And that's just such a beautiful moment. Kisses her. Yeah. Here comes another. I, I hadn't thought of that, Jim. That, that that perhaps this is when she realizes. Is is this when she realizes that he's somewhere else? Another great small moment that just really. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, just really lifts the film up so much. <laughs> five seconds with Luke just winking at three PO and three yes. PO saying, well, "Master Luke." It's yep. it brings it all together. It's their whole history is just right there in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And he just marches out one man through now, now the flames. Is, I mean, this is, uh, you know, what he said he wouldn't do earlier. He said, what do you think I'm going to do? Go out and face the First Order all by myself with my laser sword? Well, yeah. 
<laughs> and you do. But he finds such a clever way to do it. As opposed to physically going out there, which was impossible anyway right. because he was stuck on Octu. Sure. But he was able to track Leia through the Force because they had reconnected. When he went out onto that meditation ledge, mm-hmm. he, had, he, had, he, had firm, he had firmly and permanently reconnected to his sister. And that's how he was able to project himself through the Force to this area and be there at this moment. Luke is... As there as he needs to be, you know, he is absolutely, oh, yeah. you know, he is as there as he needs to be. People, sure. are, people are quick to write this off and say, oh, he's just a hologram. He wasn't really there. This, but no, <laughs> he is there. This as is not a hologram. You're, you're so right. Uh, it, it, it's not a hologram, but he's not physically there. Either at least physical in the terms of, the, you know, in the way we know the term to be used. And I just love that look on Kylo's face at that moment as the blasters are laying into Luke. He almost looks like a drug addict who can't get enough, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it takes Hux to kind of snap him back into reality just briefly. Hux is much more than comic relief in this film. Or you know, however you want a punching bag, right. whatever. However, mm-hmm. I've read people describe him. He 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 always presents a good counterbalance to what Kylo's doing in this whole film, as if they're you know competitive schoolboys in many ways. <laughs> yeah, the classic shot where oh yes, Luke just brushes nothing. off nothing off his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, nothing can land on him. Yeah. I right, untouchable. He's Teflon. He is. He is the untouchable in this thing. <laughs> funny, hmm. funny stuff. Yeah. Oh, good, he, good, old, good old Finn. He covers a lot of ground there. <laughs> he gets <laughs> rose back there. I'd be walking for hours, you know. Oh, yeah. I'd be like Chevy Chase in uh, vacation with my jeans wrapped around my head and my, <laughs> walking around in my underwear. Out in the desert. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like these guys are about a mile apart, yet they can hold a conversation with each other. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, Luke says he's here to confront Kylo. Keep that in mind. I'm here to confront him. I can't save him. No. And Leia says, "I, I, I, no fool. I, I know that my son was gone." And he says, "No one's ever really gone." Luke's there to confront him, not to save him. He can't save him because. Ray is the one that's meant to save him. If anyone's going to save him. I love how Kylo pulls out the saber here. It's, it's much like how he does in the first trailer that we saw for the Force oh, yeah. Awakens when he's, he's stalking his prey through the woods and he, we see him from behind and he whips out that saber. And uh, in, in, uh, that scene was unfortunately cut from the Force Awakens. I still can't figure out why. I love that shot. Yeah. And they featured it so prominently in the first trailer that came out on Black Friday 2014. But... Uh, he, we get to see him do it from from the front this time, and it's the exact same move. It's the exact same move. I was so just like neutral about Kylo Ren. I always loved Daisy, but the character of Ray. I mean, it was like I was getting to know these characters during the Force Awakens, but now with the the, the Last Jedi. I'm just so connected to these characters. I feel like they've been around for all 40-plus years of the Star Wars history. I mean, that's that's quite an achievement 
for an old school fan like me to say, you know, I mean, I've always felt kind of set in my ways about Star Wars and everything, but this movie has really opened up my mind to the possibilities of where the saga can go and mm-hmm. and and where these characters can take us. I feel so like emotionally connected to these characters now that yeah. they 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 feel just right when they're sharing when I see Poe on the screen with yeah, with well, Leia. The, right. That's know? that's the that's the by the way that's the torch passing moment there when Leia says what are you looking at me for? Follow him. Yeah, yeah. That's the moment. You're right about that. R2 with his extendable. <laughs> That's a mild way of putting it. Is that an extendable on your packet, or are you just happy to see me? Oh, these shots of the Falcon are so beautiful. I mean, we've seen a lot of the Falcon flying in natural atmosphere in the sequel trilogy. It's something we didn't see so much in the original trilogy. I mean, we saw them blasting their way out of Moss Eisley. We saw the Falcon shooting its way out of uh, Echo Base. And we mm-hmm. see the Falcon approaching the landing platform on Cloud City. Those are really the only times we see the Falcon flying in natural light and uh, in uh, earthly uh, atmospheres, you know, plan- planetary atmospheres. But in... Uh, the sequel trilogy, we, we sure see the Falcon flying within the atmosphere a bunch of times. We see it here on Crate. We see it in Jakku in, mm-hmm. uh, in Episode 7. It's just little observations, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, Luke starting off with a one-handed stance there, just like his father. Yeah. Toying with the young one. Right. Mocking his opposition. Yeah, a little bit. Luke moves his boot across the salt plane, and it doesn't reveal the red crystal underneath, and it doesn't make a sound. Mm. No. Right. He, he does the limbo right there. Very cool move. <laughs> the limbo. How low can you go? <laughs> Just look at the emotion in Mark's eyes as he yeah. delivers his lines here. I mean, you could see the glass. They're glassy. They're just, there's just so much emotion here. You know, we were talking actually earlier before we started up this commentary, Jason, about the possibilities of Mark Hamill actually be nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the Oscars are a few months away from when we record this thing, and I like for our commentaries to remain as evergreen as possible. But this is our first commentary, and so let's put it into perspective as far as when we're recording it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, uh, this is uh, a month after the film has been released, essentially, and... Uh, those nominations have yet to be announced for the Oscars, but uh, I hope that when people are listening to uh, this commentary track, maybe years from now, they'll be thinking, uh, listening to us talk and go, oh, yeah, Mark did win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor that year. <laughs> Fantastic. Was the- now, now, was Alec Guinness nominated? Alec was nominated. Yeah, That's I think right. he's yes. one of the only actors in Star Wars to have been nominated for an Oscar. I think he's the only actor. Um Big reunion there between Finn and Ray, finally, after all this time. All this time, yes. But we know that Finn has uh, moved on. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, that's... uh... Well, I think... (laughs) We don't know. We don't know. I think think Rose is his rebound woman. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, there's there's genuine affinity between the two of them. Based on what they went through, but uh, yeah, Finn Finn has got to settle down a little bit sooner or later. He's going to have to settle. Like, quit playing the field so much. 
Yeah, so glad to see Mark, you know, looking as as great as he does, and he looks fantastic these days. But you know, you know, you'd hear constantly, "What I had to lose all this weight, <laughs> and I had I had to get in shape, and I had a I had a trainer." Here's then, the, you, you, then you see him in Last Jedi, great. and you're like, "Really? You had a trainer to look like that?" At but that moment, this is it? At that moment when he slices, oh yeah, Mark, I thought he was going to turn around and see just the cloak sitting there, a la. Ben oh, Kenobi. right. But again, something we've already seen. Let's mm-hmm. you know here. Let's take it up a notch here. Something different. Oh, there's there is the, this. He's there meditating. <laughs> oh, oh, God! I just wanted to yell and scream when I saw that in the theater the first time. It was just one of those moments when you're watching a film and you just see that and you go, "Yes, yes." And then he fades from existence, yep. both on. This plane and on the physical plane is year-round, kid. You know, as as, as was foreshadowed in uh, Kylo's first meeting with Ray, or well, the second meeting actually, when they are actually able to converse, and she's not just blasting at him. Um, but he says to her, "How are you doing this? The effort would kill you. You're not doing this." Um, so we know that force projection like this is something that is a known quality Mm -hmm. of those who are able to tap into the force but we also know that by extending yourself this way it's a fatal use of the force to the user itself luke sees the sunset luke knows this going into it he walks out onto that meditation platform knowing that this is it for him Mm -hmm. and he says he came to octu to die and maybe it was the force that guided him there and it's through the will of the force that he extends himself and uses the force in such a way that he can never, ever come back from it. And so then he does. And, what, and Ray, right now, she knows this is. She what's feels happening. it. She's feeling it. She's feeling it. The and reveal of the the twin sons, not a hallucination, as some people have speculated online. This is actual uh, physical reality of the planet Act Two. They they there are two sons there. There is confirmation yeah. that it's a twin sun planet? Okay. Because yeah, yeah. I'd heard it was a reflection. No, it's 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 in the literature. It's it's oh, in the, the reference books. As the cloak flies away. And Luke pulls off something that few Jedi have ever done. Become one if with the any. Force. Well, Ben. Oh, Ben. That's true. That's true. Why? I thought you were talking about the astral projection. Well, it, it obviously has been done before. Because there's the knowledge out there that if you do it, it will kill you. Right. The effort right. would kill you. Now, I don't think Kylo's being specific about Ray either, saying the effort would kill you. The effort would, when he says the effort would kill you, he means the effort will kill anyone who tries mm-hmm. to do this kind of crazy crap. And then she looks down at him. They have their last connection with the Force, and she closes the door on him. Yeah. Yep. Something I heard someone uh, very in a very apropos way referred to as the Godfather moment between Michael Corleone and Kay at the end of Godfather <laughs> one. Yes. Never asked me about my yes, business. As Kay. The door shuts. As, as he <laughs> slowly, clo- as they're kissing his ring and the door closes on his wife. Just as one realizes. time. I'll let you ask me about my business. <laughs> Just as <laughs> one time. Kay. <laughs> what is three PO say to R2 there? He's like, Oh, you're such a good friend. <laughs> That's just like, yeah. Terrible line. 
<laughs> but whatever, you know, it's yeah, it's a kids movie. Sometimes you got to oh. remind yourself of that. Oh, however, though, I feel like this is the most mature Star Wars film since Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, there's no question. There's the no Jedi question. books. The Jedi books make their appearance. Yeah, and, and here is uh, yeah, you know, and Poe introducing himself to Ray. But yes, confirmation that the books are there. Uh, Finn packing up once more to leave. Oh no, no, he's getting a blanket. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's grabbing his stuff. Oh, there he goes again. He's yeah. uh, he, he's worse than uh, Corporal Klinger at the MASH 4077th, always trying to <laughs> get away from the Army. In Episode 9, Finn will be dressing up as a woman to uh, prove he's crazy to get that Section 8 and get sent back home. No, the that's two, uh, that's MASH. That's MASH. The two ladies conferring, confirming mm. that Luke is no more, but... Uh, it doesn't look like there's too much grief there. They realize that he was at peace. And they also realize that he's still with them. I mean, what, yeah. Luke, what, what Luke said, people don't ever, you know, they don't go away, you know. And you also see the half saber. The the, the saber sliced in half there in Ray's lap. Ah. Now, here's the epilogue. This is very un-Star Wars-like. Well, I, mean, I know I was I was as the Falcon jumped know. as the Falcon jumped to hyperspace. I had my hands like a foot apart, you know, just getting ready to applaud. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's mm-hmm. like, what the hell is this? We're back at Canto Bite again. Yeah. The kid, and it all starts to make sense. Broom boy, sweeping. Yep, grabbing that lightsaber with the force. Yeah, sweeping things up, looking up to the heavens. And now here he is representing us all as children growing up with Star Wars, doing chores around the house and taking a moment to daydream and think about our favorite film franchise and realize we're holding a broom in our hand that could (laughs) easily replicate a saber if we held it the right way. Or a wrapping paper tube, whatever it was, you know. God. As kids. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it's. It's tremendously powerful. It takes us back to the idea of sacrifice. That's what this is about. It is sacrifice. Luke making the ultimate sacrifice because he became the spark that ignited, you know, the flame yes. that grew the fire that you know, yeah. the, the, the whole line. We, but we the spark that will ignite the flame that, <laughs> yeah, that will light the fire under the yeah. Me. <laughs> but but yes, it, in, incredible acts of sacrifice and heroism, and um, it, it, I th- also think it's the last Star Wars movie, the only the first Star Wars movie to sort of end itself, you know, on the Falcon. That that's where everybody is now. Yeah, an Empire, you see Lando and. And Chewie take off, but uh, you know that—that's all that's left of the resistance can be fit on the Millennium Falcon. Wow, with porgs, <laughs> yeah, complete with porgs and porg nests. Yeah, but uh, you know, you, you see how valuable the epilogue is at that point yeah. because oh, tremendously yeah. because you—it shows you where the hope really is in the galaxy that it's yeah. not just them. All crammed into the hold of the Falcon. That right. there is a real uprising happening. Yeah. And a day of reckoning will come down. And so that's why I think it would be appropriate to begin episode nine with a crawler that reveals that we've taken a significant jump down the the timeline that the chronology of the saga has moved maybe five to 10 years and given the rebellion time to grow and rise up against 
this final oppression that's been dominating this universe for so long. And they they finally have a chance to stop it once and for all. Yes. And uh, and that's what it's going to come down to. And it's going to come down to a confrontation between Ray and Kylo. And it's going to end in two ways. The redemption of Kylo Ren and the return of Ben Solo, who has completely cleansed everything. Jedi, Sith, Rebellion, Resistance, First Order, Empire, you name it. Everything's gone. And it's a Mm -hmm. fresh start. A clean slate for the future of this galaxy. Or Ray will defeat him. He'll just simply be defeated as a bad guy. Um, I think there's a a lot of uh, more interesting emotional threads that have been invested into these characters where it's more than just good guy, bad guy. Good guys, bad guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today's bad guy is tomorrow's good guy and vice versa. And, you know, uh, we we see that in our own world. We see that in... in, uh, you know, governmental relationships and all of that stuff. I mean, it's 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 certainly no secret. And look, DJ is a survivor. He's a pragmatist. He's going to find a way to make a quick buck because he's not going to have any loyalty to anybody else because no one's going to have any loyalty to him. I love the idea of him, you know, showing up in episode nine and somehow being, you know, becoming a a real honest to goodness resistance fighter. Certainly, they could use somebody like him, but uh, awfully hard to make that case after what we've been through with her. Yeah. Well, we could see. We'll see. We shall see. <laughs> yes. I'm uh, just uh, I like um, you're like Luke Skywalker, always looking off into the future, never thinking about where he is, what he's doing. <laughs> but after watching this film, I'm firmly planted my feet on the uh, on the ground here, and I'm really. Uh, been having a great time soaking up all of the uh, subtleties of this film, all the interesting little threads that uh, have been laid out in front of us, uh, creating a foundation for what is certainly going to be an amazing conclusion to the saga. I, I firmly believe Episode Nine is going to be it. I mean, they're going to be looking for a solid finale to this story about good versus evil, Skywalker's rising up to take on the Galactic Empire slash First Order, Dark Side, Sith, whatever you want to call it. You know, the Jedi versus the Sith, the Rebellion versus the Empire. I think that's all going to be, it has to be wrapped up in Episode 9 with a very satisfying conclusion. It's not the end of the Skywalker saga, Episode 8, because Luke dies. And we know that... Carrie Fisher is no longer around to portray Leia in episode nine. So a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion that this is the end of the Skywalker saga, but yet Kylo Ren maintains that Skywalker bloodline and Luke Skywalker will return in episode nine. I think that's guaranteed. No question. No question. I mean, we already know that Mark Hamill's in the film to what extent and how big the role is going to be. We'll find out. I think it's going to be more significant than, say, Alec Guinness in Empire or Jedi, I actually do. I think that it's going to be a bigger role. I think he's going to um, sort of fulfill that that promise of becoming more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 
that's going to wrap up our first, and I mean our first, commentary for The Last Jedi. We're going to, there's so much to this movie, as Jim said, maybe one of the most complex, sophisticated, what did you say, a grown-up, adult? What, <laughs> yeah. what was it that you said? I think I said it's it's the most adult Star Wars film, at least since Empire Strikes Back. But it gives us a lot to chew on. And, sure uh, does. I mean, just that, that last 20 minutes alone of the movie we could watch over and over again. See you around, kid. All right, big thanks to our friends at Regal Robot, particular Tom Spina. Congratulations to our winner. And the don't forget, yes, that's awesome. Uh, we'll be getting a hold of uh, Garazeb on Twitter really soon, and we'll be shipping that Mando skull out. And I also want to thank our friends at Tops and the Star Wars Card Trader app. Get it now at the app store of your choice. If you'd like to email us, we'd love to hear those uh, and read those. By here, I mean you can always record a voicemail or you know, an MP3 file on your phone and email it to show at rebelforceradio.com, or you can do it the old-fashioned way and just dial up the number. You can reach us at 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. You can find us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. We're on Facebook. The official Facebook page is at facebook.com slash rebelforceradio. We got rebelforceradio.com. We're on iTunes, where you can subscribe and review all your favorite podcasts, including Rebel Force Radio. Just one rule, please, on those reviews. Make them good. Ten out of ten. And you can find Rebel Force Radio. We're streaming. We're streaming at WGNplus.com. We're streaming on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere you can find podcasts. You can also find us weekly on JediNews.co.uk, Yodasnews.com, Fanthatracks.com, and the official Star Wars website, StarWars.com. That's going to wrap things up for us this week. We'll see you next time for lots more Star Wars conversation right here on RFR. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you always.